Welcome to episode 9 of Starting Nowhere. I'm your host, Brandon. Today, my guest is Mikey Conlon. Mikey is a man of many interests, and today we get into several of them. We're going to talk about his Twitch streaming, his career as an amateur martial artist, and also just some of his favorite things about basketball. Please enjoy today's episode. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me tonight, man. I know this is the latest I've ever talked to anybody on one of these things. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell the people who you are, tell them a little bit about you. My name is Mikey Conlon. I'm a man of many interests. I'm a Yelp elite four years in a row. I'm a jiu-jitsu purple belt chasing the black belt. Hopefully I can own my own gym one day. I'm an aspiring, I'm an aspiring amateur MMA fighter and I hope to go pro and I'm training out of Fusion Excel in Orlando. And uh, I am a Twitch gamer and I need to get a little bit better at that, but it's just, it's one of my hobbies. So as are a few of the things that come off of my mind, I'm a man of many interests. Thanks one thing I think me. you forgot is that you were also a pretty high-level troll at times when you want to be. <laughs> so is that Yelp Elite thing real? Is that actually something true? Yes. Uh, everything I say on this, uh, on this conversation will be as, as, as uh, true and serious as it can be. But uh, you are right. I like to troll people. Um, <laughs> but it's with a good heart. I don't really mean to hurt anyone's feelings, but I, I have in the past. And um, the Yelp Elite, yes, it started with uh, – I've had friends who have been in the industry. I've been in the hospitality industry for pretty much my whole professional career outside of, you know, my hobby, mixed martial arts and martial arts. But um, I've had friends who were bartender servers and I just thought it'd be a nice gesture to write them something nice, make them look for the, like make them look good for their boss and it can impede maybe a, uh, like a promotion or something. But um, I ended up taking a, pic a lot of pictures of my food and ended up just uploading those. And then, you know, you fast forward four years, I got inducted by the Yelp council to be an Yelp elite. And then it's kind of kept consistent with it over the years. Super, super nerdy to be honest, but so, get a cool badge and free food. All right. That's what I was going to ask you. If there's anything cool that comes with it, how do they uh, get you free food? You just like walk in and you tell them you're Yelp elite or you get a special handshake. What's, what's... Oh, geez, geez, geez. <laughs> um, every month they send out a newsletter and they're like, Hey, everyone's meeting at um, Texas day, Brazil. We're going to meet at, you know, Charlie steakhouse, two examples. And, you know, not really that expensive, but sometimes they'll pick like higher end places and then all the Yelp elites go there and they buy out the whole restaurant. And then it's basically on Yelp's tab and you just mingle with other Yelp Yelpers. <laughs> wow. So it's, it's different. I've never, honestly, I've never actually gone to one. I've always been too nervous to go. Really? You're nervous? I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm an I'm a extrovert at times, but I have a lot of introvert tendencies. And I guess that's a, uh, that's a community I haven't really dived into completely. It's there, yeah. but. I, I'm with you there, man. Uh, I, I balance between being the loudest one in the room and the person who doesn't want to enter the door. So I completely get what you're talking about. I, I have I don't know why I have those competing personalities, but I think it's authentic to certain people and you seem to be one of them as well. But that's just crazy to me that all the different communities that exist on the internet and then how they cross over into real life meetings. And I would have never guessed Yelp would be one of those places. So you got to go and you got to, then you got to come back and talk to me again about it. Cause that just sounds either really elitist or it sounds really cool. I can't tell which. I could be joining a cult that I have no clue about. You know, it could be my induction. Look, uh, if, you, if you're joining a cult, join the one that comes with free food, period. Free That's, food. <laughs> yeah, it comes with free food from legit places. I'm cool with that cult. Free, free food is uh, probably the best way to my heart, for sure. You want to yeah. start a good friendship with me? Let's go eat. Absolutely, <laughs> Break man. bread, break bread. That is, you know, what's interesting. That's one of the things that I think America doesn't seem to do as much as it used to. And I, I've traveled to the Middle East and they have that very much that culture as well about breaking bread. And that's how you uh, introduce yourself to one another and actually start to 
be friends before you talk any kind of business or any of that type of stuff as well. I wish America did that a little bit more. I think it's kind of got a lost art, if you will, especially in a digital world. But right now, because of the pandemic and everything else is going on, it makes a little bit more sense. But uh, I definitely would wish that that was something we did more often where you just let's meet over a meal. Let's have a conversation and stuff like that. Not even just like dating or whatever, but like just hanging out with friends and stuff, you know? And then then again, even when, and before the pandemic, you know, everything's kind of BC before COVID, but um, even then, like when you're hanging out with friends, it's kind of just habit for a lot of people to pick up their phones anyways. We'll all be, you know, sitting at a table and uh, you know, you'll still glance at your phone, check in, you check your social medias, text people back. But I've been trying to get better over the years of just putting it down and then, and having other people put their phones on top of each other. You know, you touch it, you pay the bill, which it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it just, it forces conversation and, and puts less of a need to touch your phone. You remember Sonia, right? Yes. Yeah. So Savage Sonia, yep. yeah, she's part of uh, uh, my best friend group, which we call ourselves the Cuddle Crew and everything. Mm-hmm. And she instituted that rule when we went out. I think it was her anyway. So if I'm giving her credit and she didn't do it, she'll, she'll gladly accept it, I'm sure. But she had, For sure. we would go out, it was me, her, Ian, and Kat, and we would put our phones in the middle and the first person to touch it would have to pay. But it was really just a, an attempt, of course, by Sonia to make sure that we were actually being there and being in the moment and everything, which I feel like was directly targeted at me because I am always <laughs> on my phone doing something. So, dude, uh, <laughs> you and I both, man, I, I can do so much on that phone. And then two hours will pass. And like, damn, I'm really just cycling through these apps and I'm doing nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm doing nothing, but at the same time, like maybe I'm supporting friends or I'm engaging in like a, in a conversation or checking up on sports. There's just so much to do with the palm of your hands now. Look, this is what I always try to tell people, and most people get mad at me, but I, I still say it's true, man. I have almost every piece of information known to man in the palm of my hand. If you're not more interesting than that, yeah, I'm going to be on my phone. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, look, I'm saying, if, I'm just saying, if you go to uh, an MMA fight, you're going to see UFC, you see John Jones fighting Cormier or whatever the fight is, right? Yeah. You're not on your phone because that's interesting. It's capturing your attention. But if I'm just talking to somebody, I'm like, oh, you're, my day was X, Y, or Z. I'm like, oh, that's super cool. Wait, Jay Z said, what about this much? person? All right. <laughs> you're right. Jay Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to be interested, wow. man. Which is good, though, because it also makes sure that you have friends who are actually interesting around you instead of just people who are uh, giving you platitudes or whatever, saying the same old stuff over and over again, I guess. True. And, and when, you, when you say be interesting, um, I don't think it's really that hard. I feel like some people will fake it and try to bring up interesting topics that have nothing to do with them. Or will like if you're, if you're yourself, there's an interest in that. Like I can sit and talk about myself all day, but I would love to hear other people's stories. I'd love to hear other people's opinions, you know, views on things. I'm not, not specifically politics or anything, but like just, just what they believe in, their, up, their upbringing and, and their morals. I'm all about hearing that. I feel the same way, man. Uh, I think that almost everybody in the world, almost, there's still a few out there, but almost everybody has something that they can either teach you or be interesting or just something that they like. And for me, I have so many varied interests of things that I'm not going to do myself. If somebody tells me, hey, I like to collect, I don't know, porcelain dolls. I'm like, wait, how did you get into that? Let's talk about that. Let's, let's go into whatever that hobby is that it, I would never do, you know, and that can that can maintain my interest for probably a good hour or so almost any topic you know what i mean and i love those type of conversations because like you said almost everybody has something that can keep your attention for a while if you're open to it you just have to be keep a curious mind i guess an open mind i feel like a lot of people were closed off in their own world sometimes or in their own you know perimeter but absolutely do you think that's because that's just how they are as a person maybe how they're raised or something like that or do you think that's 
kind of comes with the habit of not getting out and talking to people more that we get closed off because we're not flexing that muscle, if you will. Maybe a mixture of both. I feel like with um, everything in the palm of our hands, there's conversation in the palm of our hands. And I feel like um, a lot of people forget what face-to-face engagement is like. I feel like a lot of people get brave from a distance, you know, from, from being on their phone, you can say anything you want to anyone, you know, it happens all the time. And we're diehard martial, you know, mixed martial arts fans, UFC fans. And we see people just either creating second accounts or using their main account and trashing one of the, the scariest people in the world. You know, that happens to John Jones all the time. You know, they'll trash talk him. Oh, you, you lost your last fight. Blah, blah, blah. And, and just they'll call him a bum, blah, blah, blah. It just, it's just crazy. People are so brave and our times are so weird. Yeah. Well, the crazy part is I think people have always kind of had that mentality. They just didn't have as easy access to it uh, because there's definitely people who, um, what's his name? Jack Johnson, uh, the first like black heavyweight champ or whatever, obviously got a lot of that type of hate, but people were writing letters. They're not going to come say that to him. They even, even in that racist time where they probably could know they could get away with like attacking or something like that. They're not going to do that because the dude's like, I don't know. He was like six, four, two thirty or something like that. That's and just beating the crap out of people. You know what I mean? Back then. So I, I agree with you, man. I think there's a lot of people who get really brave about those topics, but sometimes only sometimes not the majority of the time. Sometimes that's also necessary because you have people who are too timid to say something in person that they need to say online, you know what I mean? And I'm not talking about talking trash necessarily. I'm just talking about, you know, sticking up for a point of view or a belief or even just having that conversation because some people get face to face and if uh, a touchy subject comes up, they immediately shut down. They can't do it. You know what I mean? Of course. So. So they, get to, they, they get to exercise that muscle and exercise their rights. You know what I mean? There's freedom of speech to, I guess, to no extent for the most part. I don't know. But um it's just it's weird times that we live in, man, you know? I think we need to start a new uh, amendment to the Constitution where if you say something really stupid, freedom of speech should cost. There should be a penalty for saying something too stupid, whether it's financial or a certain line. There's got to be a certain line. <laughs> something like that, man. But then again, I would be paying all the time if that was the case. So I don't yeah. think I should really... What does it say? Uh, if you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. And I'm throwing yeah. stones left and right right now. <laughs> so tell me how you got into Twitch, man. Because I have been, one of the big things I picked up, and you and I talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, uh, since the pandemic started, I, I built a gaming PC. I've been doing a little bit of gaming myself, and I'm trying to see certain people on Twitch. And for mm. the life of me, man, it's hard to understand how some of these people stream for five, six hours. Uh, I've seen a couple of, so I haven't watched it, but some people do like 24-hour streams and stuff like that. And I nobody i don't want anybody watching me when i game first of all because i'm terrible uh and second of all because i say some really heinous things that are not who i am or who i want to represent myself as in public anyway so how'd you get into it though see i would chime in for that though like i want to see you stressed out i want to see you rage you know that video games can bring that out of you but um i guess i'll just start off by stemming towards my childhood you know i I grew up on video games like i love video games it was a big part of who i was my my uh dad give me a two hour limit a day, which, you know, in hindsight, it's kind of, kind of a good limit. You know, it's something I should do now. Cause if I'm playing more than two hours current day, you know, I'm obviously not getting other things done, but uh, in terms of video games, I've always like RPGs. So like role-playing games, Skyrim, Jade Empire, Knights of the Old Republic one and two, just games that like I can create a character that's not me or someone that can look like me and then make choices like left, right, good guy, bad guy, you know, kill this person, save this person, you know, become a hero, finish the game, you know, do multiple endings. That's something I've always enjoyed, just an alternate world, an alternate experience. Um, when it comes to Twitch, I've tried it a few times over the years, mainly playing Fortnite or playing 
uh, PUBG. It started maybe summer 2018. Um, I would play those games, you know, have a few friends with me, you know, two or three friends with me who would tune in to my uh, channel to help support it. And I'll tell you about the tiers of, of, uh, of a Twitch streamer. But basically when you start, it's all about getting to Twitch affiliate. So you start off, you're just a Twitch user, essentially. Um, Twitch affiliate is 50 followers, an average of three views, which is the hardest thing to do. And then you have to stream for like eight hours, like a total of eight hours. And then um, I think there's one more thing. That might be it. But getting to that three-point viewer average is the hardest part. And I didn't get that until this year. Um, isn't, uh, I mean, I used to call it nerdy, but now it's one of my best friends, Jamie, is like, don't call it nerdy. It's the coolest thing. It's very cool. Uh, so I started this gaming group called Too Easy Gaming. <laughs> and I wanted to change the name, never ended up changing the name. But we, we have a good amount of people, maybe like 15 to 20. And everyone plays Call of Duty. You know, that's probably my biggest uh, go-to game right now. I mean, I hate Call of Duty. Like, I absolutely hate it but I, I do it for the camaraderie. So we all support each other, tune each other's channels, and we've all reached affiliate. You know, there's a lot of us that are affiliate now, so we're all getting paid essentially, not too much. But um, I mean, dude, it's something I do in my free time anyways. Might, might as well have a few people watch me play. And then uh, I guess I make some entertaining clips off of it, you know, say some dumb things, whatever. Enough for someone to tune back in, I guess. But it's fun, man. It's fun. I'm never going to, I'm not, I'm not never going to be big, but that's the goal. You know, there's people who make careers out of streaming and if all I had to do was just sit in front of a TV and play games all day. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind clocking in for six, seven hours. Yeah, man. I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I definitely want to toy around with streaming a little bit just cause I like toying around with everything. There's mm -hmm. almost nothing on the planet that, uh, pops up that I'm not at least interested in trying on some level, but I definitely checked out when shroud came back to, uh, to Twitch. Are you familiar with shroud? Mm -hmm. No, I don't know who shroud is. Oh, is that man. a mixer guy or a, a Facebook guy? Uh, I think he was he Mixer. I think he was one of the guys who was over at Mixer until it crashed, and now he came back to Twitch. Crazy, but crazy Shroud, it crashed. Shroud, man, oh my god, that that dude is ridiculous. He, I think he's probably around your age. How old are you? Twenty six. Yeah, he's twenty six as well, and he mm. used to be a a pro in uh, Counter Strike. He was he used to be a pro Counter Strike player. Uh. He hasn't been pro for a long time now, but he's insanely good at like every game, especially first person shooters. Man, if you watch some of his clips on YouTube, like just his highlights, he's insane. He's absolutely insane good. But his first stream back to Twitch, he had, I think when I got on there was like five hundred thousand viewers. That's a lot. I think that might be the most I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, he's dude. He's huge. He, he's absolutely massive. Cause I think he was one of those guys who get paid and I'm going to misquote this and then somebody will correct me later. I'm sure. Mm. But like $10 million or something like that to go play, uh, uh, over on mixer and everything. And his, I'm pretty sure it's his girlfriend. Ninja too. Ninja too. Well, Ninja's bigger than him as far as bigger. popularity goes, but yeah. Shroud's way better. He's way more skilled of a player. They That's actually have a uh, a highlight video of him on YouTube of him, beating ninja dr disrespect like all the big uh youtubers oh, wow. and all the big streamers in general he he just destroys them whenever he plays them he's incredible he's <laughs> super good i'll have to look him look him up apparently dr disrespect got um kicked from twitch yes yeah. yeah i saw that too I, uh, I nobody knows why that is the greatest thing about what's going on with him it could be really serious and i'll, I'll take this back when it is but uh He's trying to figure out what the hell happened. Nobody knows why he got banned and they still haven't announced it. He hasn't said anything. And so I'm like, what is going on there? That seems really weird because again, he was one, of, I think he signed like a $10 million contract or something like yeah. that, like another think, huge contract. I think rumor had it, is there, maybe there's someone changing in the background or the bathroom or copyright with the music, which I think is ridiculous. To be honest, you can't play music. That's, that's copyrighted music. It makes no sense. It's free press. 
you know, people ask what song is that you can type it in or you can play it. Like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense that I can't play music in my, in my streams. Well, that's, but. that is because a lot of the A&Rs, a lot of the record companies still have the uh, old mindset of how to do music, but you're right. Uh, if you're smart, you put your music out for free. You want to, you want a streamer like Ninja uh, streaming your song when you're playing and stuff like that. Cause now however many thousands of people are watching your stream and the millions who are going to see it later when he clips it, uh, you've got your music in front of them. And they're like, hey, how's that go? And that's exactly what TikTok and Vine and all those uh, different platforms did for music. You know how many songs exactly. I've heard in a TikTok mm -hmm. or Vine a million times that I had to go look up because I got stuck in my head? I've, exactly. I've discovered whole new artists that way. So I don't know why you wouldn't want it on Twitch. And then sometimes, you know, you find a really good song, but it gets ruined because of a TikTok, because <laughs> of a Vine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if it goes in reverse, if you already know the song, then you hear it in TikTok, yeah, it's going to ruin the song for you for sure. That's what happened to me with WAP. <laughs> just kidding i have not seen a lot of the tiktoks with that i know it's there but uh honestly i, I haven't watched uh, a lot of the tiktoks with that one in particular i think the ones like um there was that song that had uh run and there was a few other ones i think dj swaco uh had a song i don't know the name of it at all or anything like that but yeah there's mm -hmm. a bunch of them that it happened to as well so I, i'm with you there but um so to the back to the Twitch thing though, what is your longest stream? How long have you done a one stream in consistent? Oh geez. Um I'd probably say six and a half, seven hours. Um, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know if maybe if I can, but I mean I can step off. I can step away and go do something, use the bathroom, grab something to eat. Um, you know, there's be right back or I'll be back soon screens. Uh but I've had friends who've done twelve, thirteen hours. Um, I've seen people do 24, which is just kind of weird. Cause I'll come in and tune back in later in the day. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, it, here's the thing. Each subscription pays you, you, they give you, it's like a $5 subscription, but they give you half of that money at, at when you become a Twitch affiliate. And then there's in-game currency called bits. So each bit is essentially worth a cent, two cents. So you can buy bits and donate them to, uh, your favorite streamer and all that adds up. And then if, I think if you think if you hit a certain amount within a month, Twitch cuts you a check and puts it into your direct deposit or, you know, they direct deposit it to a, uh, for me, it was a savings account. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I put increments of like, like 25, 50, like I'll put like a flat rate into my savings account. But I, I, I clocked in one day or I, I, I tuned in or I opened up my uh, banking app and I saw that there were cents in there. I'm like, what? I don't do that. So I clicked it and then I saw that Twitch paid me. I'm like, whoa, that's cool just to play games and all my friends who supported and everything, but um, you can't make money if you're not streaming. Like you have to stream for people to subscribe or resubscribe. You know, they have to see you gaming essentially. Dude, that is, that's incredible. And I have to be, uh, say one of the things that old people always say when it comes to this stuff, dude, mm. when I remember when Halo two first went online, Oh my God. And I was living with my best friend at the time and we put a mini fridge and then a microwave on top of the mini fridge in the living room. And I didn't have a job for a while there. And so all I would do was I'd wake up, I'd play Halo 2 for like 12 hours a day or something like that. Wow. And I would play until I was falling asleep in matches. <clears throat> and then I'd turn it off, go to sleep for however long and wake up, do the whole thing again, man, for like months on end. So that would have been perfect for Twitch. I would have been perfect back then for Twitch because I was actually pretty good back then too. Jeez, we must have been good at sniping and the the, the OP shotgun, rocket launcher, oh, sword. Dude, I loved Halo 2. Oh, that was that was amazing. It's incredible. I, I can't play it anymore now. I tried to go back to it, and I just don't like it as much. Counter-Strike, like I said, has been the big one since I built this PC that I've been playing for sure. Really? I, I used to play Counter-Strike as a kid, but it was always, like, snuck. Like, I had to sneak in playing it because my dad wouldn't <laughs> let me play it originally. 
Same thing with Grand Theft Auto. I couldn't really play that as a kid. Grand Theft Auto, I understand. You know, shooting games in general, I'm like, I could see the case parents makes, including my own, obviously, and stuff. But yeah, Grand Theft Auto, I definitely, yeah, there's some things in there that you don't need to see. Vice City, Vice City, you pick up a random girl and then you go to the bushes. And then, and then the car just starts shaking. That's just hilarious. As a kid, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> well, then they even had that hack for, uh, I think it was San Andreas. Uh, mm. I think it was San Andreas. <laughs> I don't remember. But you could actually, they were, somebody made a mod that looped in the sex. So instead of just going into a car and like playing the sounds and then going away, it would fully show the sex and you could like control the positions and all this stuff or whatever. It got, oh man, parents went nuts. They were well, of course. so freaking pissed. But I mean, then again, um, I was a kid's coach back at GTS mm-hmm. for a little bit. And these kids, these kids are way like with technology. They're, they're like, they know, they know everything, man. They know the music. They know they, they were playing a bunch of Fortnite. Like I'm just saying their access to bad things are there, mm-hmm. you know? And, and hopefully whenever I become a father, I'm going to make sure I can clamp down on it a little bit. You know, kind of, kind of ease them in, ease them into it as opposed to 10 years old, maybe listening to WAP, you know what I mean? Jeez. Well, I think, I think the challenge today, and I am no parent and I have no intentions on becoming one anytime soon. Uh, But I think the challenge for a lot of parents today is less keeping their kids from seeing stuff because it's going to, like you said, it's kind of going to happen and teaching them how to interpret that. Because now, like you said, a 10 year old hears WAP and they have to really think about what that means compared to when I was a 10 year old, my parents didn't have to talk to me about that for at least another couple of years or any of that type of stuff. Cause it just wasn't uh, readily available. Yeah. So I think that what you're going to see and when you become a parent, you'll probably have to deal with this too, is just how do you tell your kids how to interpret that type of stuff? You know what I mean? Because they're going to see it. So you just have to prepare them somehow mentally, not for everything, but just for how to interpret things when they do see them and feeling comfortable to come talk to you. Cause I could, I know if I came to my mom and started trying to talk about WAP, I would have gotten the crap beat out of me. And here's the thing. I feel like it just stems to the parenting as well. I think my parents did a good job with what they could, you know, divorced parents at a very young age and everything was kind of split, but I feel like they both implemented a part of who they were and, and how they wanted me to be, you know, good sense of uh, morality was given to me from both of both ends and um, random, but I don't think I really ever had a bees, a birds and bees talk. Not that I think of, I can think of. I'm hoping that I never had it. If I did, I definitely repressed the memory because I don't remember it either. I definitely don't remember. I think there was, there was no a tape moment. of Basic Instinct and I watched that. I'm like, I got it. I understand what this is. About. I got it. <laughs> For me, it might have been sex ed, but sex ed scared me in high school. STD this, STD that, graphic pictures. I'm like, okay. You know, I was in no rush. <laughs> and the, what's messed up is it was. it's like that by design. It's because one of the a lot. Where did you go to school? Did you go to school in Florida? Yes, uh, I went to Alonzo in Tampa, closer okay. to Oldsmar. I'm I'm not sure if this is true in Florida or not, so don't quote me on this because I haven't studied the educational system in every state, mind you. But uh, I know a lot of school, a lot of states, they actually teach abstinence as the only way to prevent STIs and like STDs and stuff like that. So they purposely make sex ed scary so kids don't do it. Oh, it's definitely scary. I mean, that might have been exactly what they were doing, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean logically abstinence is the safest way there's no other way to really go about it but um it's very scarring you know just just i remember being there and and no rush to lose the virginity in high school Uh, i know exactly what you're talking about because like you said you see any pictures or you hear a rumor about a guy who got uh whatever disease especially the ones begin with h and then you're like yeah i don't want to do any of that I'll, i'll be careful i'll be safe and stuff and then you know, you get a little bit older and you find yourself being less careful and less safe, or at least 
I know a lot of people I know, uh, that's how they went. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we've, we've had some, uh, reckless times over the years and just in terms of not safe sex, I guess, but, um, still terrified of H and A and C and G, you know what I mean? There's a bunch of little letters that I'm terrified of still, because that's with you for a while or at least, I mean, I'm sure, you know, technology has advanced since I was in high school. So it's maybe, it's maybe can be suppressed or, you know, can get, you can get rid of it, but I just rather not ever have to deal with it. Even more so than I think some of the STIs, one of my uh, friends, now, yeah. yeah, one of my friends told me, uh, about the test that he had to do. And I was scared of the test where it's a Q-tip up the urethra. I'm like, no, no to whatever that I just give me the disease. I don't want that at all. That sounds freaking terrible. I mean, I'm just thinking about the COVID test in my nose. I can't imagine that swab yeah. anywhere else. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. It's the same. Uh, st- I don't, I, I'm hoping the Q-tip in the lower region is a little bit uh, shorter, but I honestly don't know. And I don't care to find out. I'm like, just assume I get the disease. Give me the cream, the pill, the shot, whatever it is that cures it. Let's go ahead and that route. The test is worth and worse. Than I the hope disease. they put you under. I hope they put you under first, you know? No, oh, and this guy was military when he did it too. So no, you get none of that. And you, and because he was enlisted, the person doing it's an officer. So you have to like, you're supposed to maintain some modicum of respect too. And like, Oh no, man, if somebody's sticking that up there, I don't care if you're an officer, if you're a general, if you're whatever, if words are coming out, there's no way I can keep that straight lip. No professionalism at all. No, no, there's no, how are you professional when that's happening to you? There's no way. Oh my God. Yeah, so I don't know why we got off on that track with STIs and then sticking stuff up there, but uh, oh. I'll take the blame for that one. No, you're good. You're good, man. You're good. Uh, that's, that's freaking great, man. So uh, what per, uh, what caused you to move to Orlando? Was it just a person that you wanted to change or you wanted to go train over at Fusion or what happened there? Uh, I saw I saw opportunity. And uh, I can get into kind of how the Orlando experience kind of progressed, but uh, – I mean, GTS is an amazing school. You know, I have nothing but nice things to say about them. I think that I could achieve the same goals there as I could here. But um, I, I, it was about, what was it, March of 2019. I had just won the Josh Saman MMA Foundation. Uh, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a charity or foundation for up-and-coming MMA fighters. I had just won uh, quarter one of the 2019 scholarship award. So they gave me... A, a little bit of money to help with training. And then they gave, they presented me a shirt, a certificate. Um, it was, it was really, really cool. So I received it at fusion earlier in the year in January, I, I sparred at fusion for the first time. And um, the coach Julian Williams, <clears throat> something I've noticed, I, uh, obviously being there for the last like year and a half is that when a guest comes to his gym, he's always training with them. He'll, he'll roll with them. He'll spar with them. Like he's always like welcoming to that person. Like even if it's his first time meeting you, he just wants to get around him with you. And I just think that that's cool. I've never really seen that throughout all of my years at the different gyms, which is, which is okay if you don't do it, but I just thought that that was unique. And then um, I saw how a lot of other people have gravitated to him from Brazil, from Wisconsin, from, from many different states and countries, you know, from Singapore, like there's, there's people from all around the world have gravitated towards him. And, um, and I obviously started to see the reason why. So I saw the opportunity to train at Fusion and um, my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, no longer, but amazing woman. Anyways, she already had a, uh, a lease in Orlando and had just renewed the lease. So my lease was coming up in Tampa. I was living with my buddy and my, one of my best friends, his name is Max Dolsky. Um, he's my manager as well. 
he, you know, our, our lease was coming up there and she just, just renewed her lease. So I saw the opportunity. It was just an easy transition. And uh, I ended up getting one of the best jobs I've ever had out there. I didn't keep it because it wasn't for me. It wasn't conducive with training. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I kind of stuck. And then I saw something not only in the team, but in the coach that uh, I feel like this is the coach to help me get to professional. This is the coach to make the best of my professional career. And it's nothing against the other coaches I've had because I wouldn't be who I am without them today. But I feel like this is the, the exact mesh that I needed. This is the relationship that I need to get to the next level. And he's going to take me a place that I didn't think I can get. That's why I've, that's why I'm fighting, you know, continually um, current day fighting to stay in Orlando because the road back to Tampa is as easy as tomorrow. I can pack up and go, but I'm fighting hard to stay in Orlando. And, and I, I believe I have a lot of faith that I'm making the right choice and I need to be here. That's, that's why awesome, I'm choosing. Man. That's awesome. I, I think, just having that kind of uh, passion to just pack up and move because you want to better yourself and because you see what you're trying to actually make out of a career is really what it comes down to because not a lot of people are able to do that for one, but also are willing to do that. Uh, I can say for myself, I wouldn't be able to do that. You know what I mean? I would not just pack up and go because I think a place is better to train. But I think something you touched on there that's really important is just because you vibe better with a coach, doesn't mean that you don't like your other coaches, like you were saying. Of course. You know I mean, I think when you're talking about somebody who's going to make you a better fighter, you have to have some kind of personal relationship with them in that way that you, it's just a vibe. It's nothing you can really mm -hmm. put your finger on. Um, and I think that's what holds a lot of people back is sometimes we get really loyal and I think it's good to be loyal to who brought you there. But at the same time, you also have to do what's right for you. And if it takes you a different path, so be it. No, no hard feelings to anybody you had before. You know what I mean? But you got to find what's right for you in that moment. So that's awesome. But uh, I've seen the sparring videos that you've had from fusion yeah. and everything and your, your techniques are looking good. And I, I, I appreciate that. man. would be mad at myself if I didn't mention this. I'm still pissed at you for popping my jaw that one time you were getting what? ready for some fight. And we were, we were going like, there was like, uh, it was Q was, I think, coaching you back then. And then yeah, it was yeah. just person after person that like tire you out, you know? And, they, and you've got that Rocky mentality about you where you were exhausted. You're about to fall over, but you just wanted to like throw leather. <laughs> so you, you were like kind of, I had you up against the cage. It was just working, wasn't hitting you too hard or anything just to kind of keep your cardio going. And then you just came out with a right hook and just right across the jaw. I didn't have my uh, clenched. So my jaw was in a loose position and just, I was like, ah, oh, Jesus. I'm <laughs> so, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I Dude. pride myself on being a good training partner and not hurting my, my friends. And, and I don't, I, here's the thing. I don't know if I have power because I never mm -hmm. throw to show, like I never, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not a big boy complex. I'm not trying to be an alpha when I'm training. I, I bow every time I go onto the mats because I'm leaving my ego behind me. Mm -hmm. I respect the martial arts. And if I'm throwing a punch, I just want to know that I land it. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I, maybe I have power. I don't know. I don't know yet. Until I knock someone out cold, I don't know. No, it, and I'm again, sorry. It's like you said, you weren't, you weren't winging it and you weren't being uh, irresponsible. I wasn't in proper position. You're, ah. Everybody knows you're supposed to clinch. You're supposed to bite down on your mouthpiece and stuff like that or whatever. I had my mouth open because I, I was fat and out of shape, still fat and out of shape. And <laughs> you just hit right in that right spot. It wasn't a particularly hard shot. It just caught it right. And it just knocked it right out. I was like, oh, man. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> but it, it better? was good. Is, is it, it better now? Oh, dude, it's been better Jeez. forever. That was, Jeez. <laughs> look, and same thing happened when I was sparring with Billy Q back. Oh, God, man. Probably he's got a he's got a pressure and he's got a pace like no other and he fights well, this weekend too it was the weirdest thing it was a really fluke hit he uh perforated my eardrum and all it was is because his glove made a perfect like seal on the the ear and so the pressure had nowhere to go and it popped my eardrum 
And it was hilarious because he wasn't a hard punch. He, again, we were just sparring. It wasn't anything crazy. And I just remember he was, he threw the little hook or whatever it was. And uh, all of a sudden everything was super loud on one side. I was like, whoa, that's something's not right. Hold on, stop, stop. And then I tried to like uh, pop my ears and all I heard was <laughs> So, I mean, like the point is stuff like that happens, man. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you on leaving the ego off the mat, man. Uh, I, one of my things I've always tried to do is that whatever gym I go to, I try to tap to everybody who, who's there to kill my ego. So I'm not getting that. Well, like, I'll never so you tap say hello. Anybody. Oh, no. you try to tap to everyone? Like, you'll let someone submit you? Yeah, yeah. It, oh, wow. it's all, man. And some white belt is really hard. You have to, like, put yourself completely in position and everything and, like, almost extend your own arm. And you know what I mean? But you give it to them. That's yeah. different. I've never heard that before. That's a different mentality. I respect it. I mean, again, it's for, I'm not saying everybody else should do that. I'm not even saying I should continue doing it, but I just think it helps keep my ego in check. Cause if not, if I get that pride and I start going too hard with somebody or something like that, uh, it's just not good for anybody. And so for me, it's like, all right, you're going to get tapped. I want to, I want to try to do the things that were shown in class instead of just going back to my game. You know what I mean? If I just go to my game where I'm pressured, and I move slow or whatever else. Yeah. I win for that, that role or whatever, you know, winning uh, air quotes, but I'm not getting better. To get better, I have to take risks and I'm going to get tapped. So I feel like if I force myself to tap to people, then I, it kills that ego part because I've already lost to them. I've already tapped to them. So let me go ahead and learn and get better and try to actually grow here. But here's the thing is that I have a very low percentage of hitting the things that I just learned in class on someone else who just learned the same thing. I mean, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I got it. Oh, that's cool. I got a De La Riva sweep or, or I, got, I got this bump sweep triangle, whatever, like. I'll, I'll get it on the lower belts, but I know for a fact another purple or another brown is not going to let me do that, especially if we just learned it and repped it. Absolutely. But it's nice to know. It's nice to know. And that's the balance of rolling higher levels and lower levels. I'd like to say that it's good to balance 60 40, 70 30, mm-hmm. what Rob Kahn said. You'll get all your offense on the lower belts 60%, 70% of the time, and then all your defense from the higher belts 30%, 40% of the time. I like to, a lot of times when I'm rolling with lower belts, especially work my weaknesses because uh, again, I'm not the biggest dude in the world, but I am in jujitsu circles, especially, uh, especially now that I'm not in shape, I'm a little bit bigger than a lot of the other people mm-hmm. and people love to pull guard. So I usually try to pull guard on white belts because I'm just not naturally in guard position as much as I am on top or a top half guard and stuff like that. Uh, so I try to improve my weaknesses with white belts and stuff like that too. Not just, you know, use my offense, but let me see how I can, defend from a position I'm not naturally gifted in, you know, cause I have short legs and like not flexible hips. I'm not Jeff Paré, So I can't just flip a triangle on anybody. You know what I mean? So uh, I got to get better at that. And I feel like that's what, that's what white belts do for everybody. You know, so you kind of get sad when you see your favorite white belt put on a blue belt. You're like, ah, here we go. <laughs> oh man. No, I was serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so what has been your favorite part of, you, of training? Do you like, are you more jujitsu? You like striking? You like the, the hybrid, like the in-between game? Um, I guess in my entirety, I've been, I've been an amateur for six years, had six fights. Um, I feel like I could have been way more active, but that's just, you know, it's something you can't really regret. Um, I'm just ready to eventually just get on a streak of just fight, 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 get all the amateurs, you know, get all my experience down pat. But, um, I'd say that I've always leaned towards jujitsu more than anything else. That's always been like, not, even, not essentially like my bread and butter, but that's just what I was strongest at. Um, but every time I fight, I never show my jujitsu. I've never submitted anyone. I've never never swept anyone. I've never, you know, I think I've passed guard, but like I've just never really been able to use my jujitsu in a fight. 
It's just been bite down, swing, you or me, someone's going down type of thing. And it's not going to be me. That's just always been my mentality. But I think as I progress, I'm trying to turn into a martial artist, not just a brawler or a fighter. I want to, you know, I want to be in full, I want to be, you know, just like, like at a, at a lunch or a dinner with your friends, I want to be in the moment. I want to be present, mindfulness. And I feel like that's a hard to obtain as a fighter, as a martial artist. But I'd say jujitsu, man. But as of recently, I've been doing a lot of Muay Thai, trying to get better at that. You know, I want to take a Muay Thai fight, even though people are trying to advise me not to. Just take an MMA fight. Just do that instead. That's where you're training to be, not a Muay Thai fighter. But a Muay Thai fight's going to make me better at stand-up. I'm going to get that rub from another fighter. I'm going to, I don't know. I just feel like that's going to be good for my career, get the competition, you know, out of the way. Um, I, I, I try to tell myself that I'm not well-rounded, that I have a lot to work on, which I absolutely still do. But, I mean, in terms of stand-up, uh, my wrestling, I wrestled in high school and completely neglected it since. And then jujitsu, I feel like there's a lot of different things. And I've been doing a lot more boxing in, in Orlando as well. It's just, you have to balance all of it. And um, when you don't put all of your attention into one thing, one thing's going to lack. So, and just showed this weekend, I had a jujitsu tournament that I did, but I've been doing a ton of striking and almost to no jujitsu, maybe like two, three sessions a week. And um, it showed, you know, I went against a high level brown belt and then a purple belt and I lost my matches. So it's, it's hard to balance and I'm trying to get in love with jujitsu again, cause I'm pretty decent at it. So I took it out on the blue belts yesterday, or I took it out on the white belts and blue belts yesterday. <laughs> My frustrations. It was bad actually. <laughs> felt really good. And I don't usually feel good when I roll anymore. So kind of a bully, I guess. That's awesome. So what, what do you think's uh, kind of attracting you to the tie fight? Um, I just like how it's, it's technical brawling. It's the, it's the utilization of eight different limbs, two elbows, two, two knees, two shins, two fists. And um, I, mean, I like boxing too. And I'd like to be able to utilize both skills. I've been working a lot of my boxing as well. I got a great boxing coach and uh, JT Taylor. He's the owner of technique boxing as well. So he's uh, he trains, he, he teaches at two different schools and then uh, Muay Thai. Uh, I have coach Mike Segroy and um and my head coach, Julian Williams. And then when I'm in Tampa, I train at Kaizen and with Vince McGinnis. And Vince has helped me so much throughout the years. Like he's been like, like in my back pocket, like no one, you know, he's never gotten credit for like molding me as a martial artist, but he's a big part of who I am today, you know, because he was always Gracie Pack and I was always Gracie Tampa South. So it's like, and he was one of my first teammates at Bamboos as well. But he's, so he's always kind of been there, but he's always helped me a ton as you know, in my standup and, and MMA as well. But, yeah, it definitely shows in your striking footwork. That's exactly what I think when I see you. The trying, way you move man. and switch your everything is Vince all day. I appreciate that, man. He's he's very talented, man, and he's he's a good fighter, and he's an amazing coach. You know, I have nothing nice things to say about him, and I think I don't know where you, where you are right now, but I feel like you should check out Kaizen. At least come for a roll or come for some bang Muay Thai. It's great. It's a great vibe in there, man. It's different than any gym I've ever been in, and I've been in a lot of gyms. It's. Um, I'm a bit far away now. I actually yeah. live in Miami now, so that'd be a bit of a oh, drive wow. to train. So, oh wow, jeez, yeah. But I haven't, I should, I haven't trained since I think February or March, whenever all this stuff started happening, man. Of course, uh, which sucks because I definitely miss it, and uh, especially because I just was just starting to get in the groove down here. You know what I mean? Finding uh, the schools that I like training at and all that type of stuff too. But uh, yeah, man. Next time uh, we'll have to link up if I ever come up that way again, and you happen to be in town as well for sure. 
Uh, I owe you one. No, <laughs> but she's <laughs> no, yeah. Keep that jaw ready. <laughs> no, no. Oh man, but that's so. Let's tell that story because I think every martial artist has those stories uh, about bad training experiences, about some dude who actually was trying to take your head off, or or just something like that. Because I had one down here, man, that and it was crazy how quick karma struck back. Because. I'm the same way with you, man. I respect training. I respect my training partners. I'm not out to hurt anybody. Uh, and I have a temper just like anybody else. So if I feel that's dirt, I just, you know what? You know, I'm just going to make it through the round. I'm not going to let my temper get the best of me and go. And it was just a dude who, he was a pro. Uh, he didn't have shin guards on. Mistake number one. That made Still me continue? Mad. Yeah. yeah. And the, but he had shoes on too. And I'm like, what? And he's just way faster. And again, like I said, I haven't trained as regularly uh, in a long time and I'm out of shape. So he was just piecing me up. And I'm like, cool, whatever. But then he started like showboating and, and doing all this stuff or whatever. I'm like, and kicking you? Yeah, yeah. Shins. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, Asshole. again, so like he was just doing a bunch of really douchey things and stuff. And I'm just like, all right, keep a temper in check. And again, he was a smaller guy. So like in my head, I'm like, dude, I'm just going to corner you. And if we want to like go a little bit harder, we can certainly do that. You know what I mean? But I'm like, no, respect training. You're new at this gym, especially and everything like that. And the round just finished. And then he hit me after the bell. Hit me after the bell, too. And it's so like just a bunch of stuff. So I was pissed. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to not train a round or two. And like let my temper come down. And then he starts going with this other dude. And he, like, he tried to call me back and everything. I'm like, no, I'm not training with you anymore. You're, you're a bad partner. You're bad. You're disrespecting the whole thing here. Uh, and then he starts training with this other dude, a way greener dude. And he was just, you know, trying to go a little softer because obviously he'd gotten the message that he was being a dick. And uh, he's going with this dude and they're just doing a little stuff or whatever. And the guy just throws a, a kick, knocks him out cold. I mean, like, see, like, you know how they kind of seize up the, and everything like that when they get knocked the, out sometimes? The, the pro fighter? Yeah got knocked out cold with a head was kick. he like was he like twitching yeah and like, then i mean you switching and then doing and you like said the guy was you said the guy was green so he's like a new yeah person. he had only been training for like a probably like a month or a couple months but he was just a bigger dude and he just threw a kick when he felt he threw a kick and the guy leaned right into it and you just heard you heard that sound that pop and the dude went out i'm like jesus bro like, i've never been i've never been knocked out and i've had people trying to fuck me up in sparring and bro, I, I don't know what i would do if i got knocked out by a newbie yeah i'd be really upset Again, that's why I said, man, it felt like karma because I had, I was still cooling myself down from like the whole debacle and everything like that. And then he got knocked out, and the coach even turned to me and was like, oh, "That's karma." <laughs> I was like, "Jesus Christ!" And this is recently. Uh, it's here in Miami. Uh, I don't remember how long ago it was now, but yeah, yeah. So re I've only been here in Miami for a little over a year, so it wasn't that long ago. Never been to Miami, man. Hear nice things. I only, uh, I'd only been here once before I moved here. We moved here so my girl could go to school. Uh, mm. she's going for a PhD. So we moved down here for That's her awesome. school and, uh, I, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like now I've been indoors, so it doesn't really matter where I'm at. But like when we first, like, I just started to get to explore a little bit right around the time that everything got shut down, but the weather is beautiful. I can say that much. It's, you wouldn't think this, but it's way cooler here than it is in Tampa. Is it's it not nearly as hot. Consistent, is it consistently better? Is it like, like less rain, less thunder? Uh, I'd say the rain and the thunder is prop the thunder's louder, uh, but the and the rain is probably about the same. But just it's just not as hot, oppressively hot. At least again where I live, uh, but I get a good breeze and everything where I'm at. So I don't know, but but anyway, sorry, and going off into all these tangents, yeah. everything like that. Tell me, tell me one of your bad training experiences. You don't have to call anybody out. You have to call any places out, but I know you've got at least one. Um, well, I've never been knocked out. I've always been very fortunate that and it doesn't really take much. You know, I, I'm just you know, right, right punch, right kick at the right time. I'd be happy to never be knocked out in my life, especially in a fight. But um, I guess I'll just go to a recent time. 
uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I'm not even going to try. But there's this guy who came into Fusion. Definitely not a Fusion fighter. Maybe he wanted to be or something. Uh, and then again, like I said, my coach tracks a lot of different people around the world. So this guy came in and um, bigger guy. You know, I was maybe 175, uh, 175 to 185 between that range. This guy was at least 200 minimum. A bigger guy. I spar big guys all the time. But um, he was, and it looked like he was a Muay Thai style, but he was throwing everything 100%. Maybe not his punches, but all of his kicks, switch kicks, head kicks, low kicks, everything was hard. So it felt like a fight. And I was just trying to land what I was trying to do, you know, because when I'm sparring, I'm trying to, trying to work on my angles, my timing. I'm trying to, trying to land my kicks, land my punches and set people up, this and that. But like in that moment, I just felt like I had to, had to bite down and, and swing back. I've never really had the chance to knock someone out. I've never really had a chance to give the karma back, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's one of the first times. And then there's another time I can name drop him. Cause I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily anything bad, but one of the only times I've ever really been rocked has been two times, one at fusion and one was at Gracie Tampa West. And I used to be teammates with Tony Murphy and Tony Murphy. I don't even know if he knows he's doing it, but, he, he, I think it was like a lead hook. He landed a lead hook and it landed flush. And then like, I like roll my head and I like gallop to, you know, close the distance. And my front leg buckled. I'm like, oh, whew, rocked <laughs> as I felt it. And you kind of have to like play it off or, or maybe just let your partner know that you're kind of out of it. And then uh, recently it was one of my teammates. His name is Mike Allstott, probably <clears throat> to kind of paint you a picture for him. He is a, uh, Think of like David Goggins and Jocko Willink, that type of breed of person. Fucking one of the hardest motherfuckers I know. Great boxer. I mean, if it weren't for his professional career, I'd like to think he'd be very successful in his MMA or, you know, in his martial arts career. But first time I ever went with him, he's a high level purple belt as well. So he's good at grappling, but we were going, uh, we were just doing kickboxing and like he has good kicks and he was, he threw just heavy, heavy hooks. And I've seen him rock UFC fighters before. So like, I know that his level's up there. Like I've seen him like tune up like UFC fighters, getting them ready for fights. So I'm like, hmm, okay, I don't feel so bad, but he rocked me as well. But like, I kind of like let him, like he can kind of see it. So he kind of like eased up a little bit. So I was a very good partner and he was a very good partner for that. But I guess I don't really have the instant karma story that you do. But those are the two people I can think of. I can name drop them because it's not terrible. I mean, I guess I've had people um, turn up on me on, on grappling, but I can't really get mad about that. It's just grappling. Like, look, man, you're you're lucky, or maybe you're just nicer than I am. Maybe people don't like me. That's maybe oh, that's what they say. Like, if you're running into a bunch of problems, maybe you gotta look in the mirror. So I'll have to do some self reflecting and see if I'm being a, a bad trading partner too. But well, think about it like this: you, you, and me included, we can be like I can be me, you can be you, as much as you can. And there's gonna be people who don't like you. There's gonna be people who love you. It's something you can't control. And I've, and it took me a long time to kind of figure that out. Like I can be, I can care for someone's genuine well-being. I can show love to someone. And at the end of the day, they can still do me wrong. They can still not like me and fake it. Like there's just, it's something I can't force. You know, I know what I provide as a friend. I know I provide as, you know, as a partner, as a family member. Like I know what I provide to people like they like, I can be in someone's life. I can empower people. But you know, if, if you don't want that, if if that's something if my energy is not something you want to be around if we're not on the same frequency it's okay i've I've come to terms with that and and to be honest that's, that's a reason why i kind of left tampa as well um to touch on what you said about loyalty i felt like the loyalty to my hometown 
to my family, to my friends. It was, everything was just so comfortable there. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. I was, I'm on a two fight losing streak right now. I lost two in a row at GTS. Uh, I'm not blaming them. It's, it's, it's all of my intangibles at the end of the day and what I could have done differently in the fight. It's two little adjustments. If I land a takedown here, if I got a takedown in each fight, I probably could have won both fights. It's literally that close, but I'm not harping on it, you know, just freaking amateurs. But um, like I said, my the loyalty to that. And then I just felt like the energy and the frequency of a lot of the people who were in my life at the time, everything just kind of, kind of wasn't adding up. So it made the transition so much easier. But as I made the transition, um, Orlando has kind of been a shit show for being honest. Like everything that I signed up for is the opposite of what I'm getting, but I'm also the artist. I'm also painting this picture. So if I'm having a terrible experience, um, it's my fault. I, I mean, I get it. Life happens. Things happen to you, but it's a mentality as well. Things happen for you. So everything that's kind of happened in the last year and a half, dude, I haven't been fighting. I, I have gotten out of shape. I've gotten to the heaviest I've ever been. You know, I just recently went through a breakup, lost all that weight. So it's like, it's almost a tale of two different experiences in Orlando. And the first month and a half kind of felt like I wasted time, but everything needed to happen that way. Dude, so I'm just it's grateful. I mean, that's a very mature way to look at those type of things and a very self-actualized way to look at those things. So, you know, not trying to, to make you analyze yourself too, too much here, but where do you think that mindset comes from? Do you think that's something you kind of cultivated or you think you kind of were born with it? Your parents teach it to you? Where do you think that uh, you kind of got that mindset on how to look at these things? The mindset of uh, like how everything, how, how my Orlando experience was or just how I deal with adversity or how I'm trying to pull or how I have and currently am still trying to pull myself out of a very dark place. I get it. It happens to a lot of people, you know, but um, honestly, this mindset is kind of just crafted from me constantly feeding positive into my head, positive quotes, podcasts, books. Um, I need to be a little more tedious with my books. You know, I, I used to read um, like a book a month or two books, you know, close to two books a month. And I just feel that, if you're working on your self-development and your personal development, um, where, where the thoughts flow, the energy kind of goes. So if you're feeding yourself with nothing but positivity, you don't have time to think about the negative. You don't have time to think if you're doing things that are, that are bettering yourself. And, and, and for me, I'm sure it'd be applicable to a lot of people, but if you're pushing yourself physically, if you're putting your body under duress, you don't really have the energy to, to deal or do you don't have the negative energy to deal with um, like to give to other people. I, I noticed that my brain, like my thoughts, beliefs, and my, my conversation with other people go very differently when I'm training, like when I'm doing jujitsu, when I'm lifting, when I'm, I don't, I'm not big into cardio or any of that, but you know, I'm sure that that helps too. But jujitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, you know, weight training, all of that puts me in a different state of being, you know, that's the hardest thing I'm going to do all day. And, and I, I'm just ready to attack everything else. You know, I look forward to it now. I need that. I, I've had a lot of time in Orlando without that. So I, I don't like who I am when I'm not. So it sounds like from what you've said, and correct me if I'm getting the wrong impression, but it sounds like you truly are into the martial arts ethos. You're not just one of the MMA guys who's coming in, you know, just bleed, let's, let's make some people hurt and all that type of stuff. But you're really getting into the the mentality of what it is to be a martial artist and how you should conduct yourself and how you should feed yourself, like not in a religious manner, mind you, but feed yourself spiritually. 
you know, with the positivity, with the positive thoughts, with also keeping your mind right, because when it comes down to it, fighting, once you get past certain parts of it, fighting becomes very mental. And so if you're not right mentally, it doesn't matter how good of shape that you're in. It doesn't matter uh, how good you are at fighting. If it becomes an actual fight and not you just Mike Tysoning somebody in the first 30 seconds, then your mentality is going to fail you. You're going to get to a place where you're just not going to be able to push through that. Do you, do you think, again, that that came from I'm trying to figure out which came first. Did the love of martial arts lead to that mentality? Or do you think that your mentality kind of led to the love of martial arts? I absolutely had to develop this mentality over the years. And um, I have to trust that this mentality is going to take me very far in my professional career and, and eventually build the accolades to open up a gym and then pour back into the community and give back my love for martial arts, hopefully share that with other people. That's the long-term goal. I mean, on top of wanting to make a very long career out of the UFC, um, it used to be Bellator. I really wanted to go to Bellator for the longest time. Really weird. But um, I think I'm shifting it back to the UFC. Now that with the pandemic, it seems like it's a little bit easier to get in, <laughs> to be honest. I feel like there's a lack of fights. <laughs> it looks like it. But um, the, my love for martial arts was kind of developed by being terrified as a kid, just being fearful. I got bullied a bunch. Never had my ass kicked. Like to this day, I've never had my ass kicked. I mean, I, I know who can kick my ass. They just haven't done it. <laughs> you know, it's my training. Some of my training partners over the years, you know, at every gym that I've ever trained at, like I know who the badasses are and they've just have never poured it on me. Thank God. You know, but um, I got bullied a lot. Man. I mean, it was like at the tail of two different, you know, high school careers, like the first two years, you know, um, I was terrified of bullies. There was a bunch of kids who were just kind of picking on me. I got pants in front of everybody. I got slapped in front of people. Like, just looking back at it, like, you let that shit slide, Mikey. But it had to happen that way. So then I joined the wrestling team for, like, a band of brothers and to build my confidence. And then uh, junior year, I had a fight video go viral. Um, landed, like, 30, 30 to 35 punches. He didn't even touch me once. Picked him up, slammed him on his head, like, through a head kick like it, was, it got taken out from youtube pretty recently it's kind of sad but um dude that, that that blew me up in high school i don't want to say it's the reason that i won prom king but it definitely helped with my popularity so i was known as the fighter at a very young age mikey the mma fighter mikey this mikey that and then i wrestled my senior year i was never the best wrestler i was decent you know there's like your average wrestler i was like a little bit above it you know i didn't make it past districts districts regionals states i didn't make it very far but I, I, I knew that, okay, this is something I could pursue. So I went to college. I went to a Christian college in Lakeland called Southeastern University. And uh, I think that's where it kind of really started to pick up. I mean, <clears throat> I trained out of Champions MMA with Ross Callen. It's my first gym ever. I started doing jujitsu there, got a gi, a little bit of MMA and striking and stuff. But it was all while I was going to college, so it was never really my priority. But it was funny. I tried to start a wrestling club at my, my university and never got approved. So I'll just meet up in the rec, rec room, the student athletic center, and we'd go to the top and I'd lay some mats down. I'd just roll with my friends. You know, I'd roll or grapple with my friends. Uh, we'd hit mitts or spar. It was just funny that we did that. And I can't believe I, I jumped past this. So like after that fight video went viral, month, the months after that, I started like a fight club. It was called TFC, Tampa Fighting Championships. But like the original goal was to every week, okay, we're going to do Muay Thai this week okay hey we're gonna wrestle this week at a park um it ended up just turning into mma sparring sessions 
and and I went against my first Muay Thai guy who chopped up my leg, no shin guards, kept jabbing my face, I had like a bloody mouth. I'm like, man, I got some things to learn. That's, <laughs> but, awesome. Um, that's awesome. That's just that's just kind of my story, man. And then, you know, uh, I dropped out of college. You know, I got into network marketing. Um, after network marketing, I kind of started finding a place to stay, you know, you know for in terms of training. And um, a friend of mine at the time, still a friend of mine, um, he actually teaches at Kaizen now. He's a jiu-jitsu brown belt. I think he can be black whenever he wants. But uh, Jeremy York, I don't know if that name's familiar to you. Yeah, yeah, I know Jeremy. I was like, I was like dude, where, where should I train? And he pointed me in the direction of Gracie Tampa West. And at the time, 2014, dude, it had so many killers there, bro. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to name drop because probably some of them will register. But at the time, Dan Martinez was fighting. You know, mm-hmm. Kit Von Prichonk, um, if I said his name right, uh, Tony Way. There was Bamboo. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Cam Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we ended up – we had a bunch of amateurs as well. Uh, it was, I mean, I think Trey Brown fought out of there as well sometimes. Tree Brown's one of the highest levels I've ever experienced, man. Oh, dude, and he's he's still killing it. He's uh no, he got stripped recently. That's right. Uh, mm. he got stripped, but he was the world champion uh, Titan, I think, recently. He needs to be in the UFC already, man. He he's got it going on for sure. But he's in that. That's the one thing I've always hated about MMA. But and I get it. Let me be clear about it. I understand. But he's in that weird spot where he doesn't have enough of a name for good dudes to want to fight him. But he's known enough and how good he is that good dudes don't want to fight him so he has a terrible time getting fights i've talked to him about that for years and like he just can't get the right fights because people know he's dangerous but he doesn't have the name recognition that makes it worth fighting a dangerous dude and so it it screws him over otherwise yeah he definitely would have been in the ufc a long time ago that dude i think that if you're in that position i mean i don't remember his record exactly i don't think it's terrible but man you got to really just start out of nowhere start calling out certain dudes you know maybe maybe a seven a six and oh seven no guy who has a padded record yeah go after one of those guys take take someone off the regional scene um i don't know man if i was in his position i would talk a lot and he it's funny because he can talk a lot yeah if he chose to mm-hmm. but i mean nowadays you know obviously i'm amazed evolved but i think a big part of the job is marketability mm-hmm. and social media you have to be a presence and I think, like, going back to what we kind of talked about before uh, with the, the rise of the Internet and everything like that, I think that's true of almost every job. Almost every job, no matter what you're doing, it behooves you to have a good online marketability. It makes you better at almost every single job as long as your marketability and your presence online isn't toxic. You know what I mean? If you're toxic, then obviously, yeah, that's going to cause you some problems. But uh, it, it, every job, especially when it comes to MMA, when it comes to uh, – you know, any of the other stuff you would be possibly doing, you want to have a presence when it comes to Twitch, when it comes to any of the stuff you're trying to do, having that kind of uh, following always going to behoove you. And like I said, Trey, man, Trey's an um, absolute monster and a super nice dude. That dude's awesome. <laughs> He's hilarious. Yeah. But you can get caught up in conversations because he could talk forever. Absolutely. And the crazy part is, and I don't know if this is true, you know, I, I, I trust the dude. He doesn't seem to lie a lot, but he never really until recently started like lifting weights or really taking his fitness that serious either. He was just that natural, like kind of a monster. Bro. I mean, I'm not going to name drop, but I've seen <laughs> people in the UFC who barely train. Yeah. Who eat like shit. Somehow get the weight off. I'm not, I'm not blaming any drugs or anything, but like, I've seen people just not give a fuck and win fights and knock people out. 
you know, people crazy. got it that even way, at, man. Even at the highest level, dude, think about it like this. I mean, I'm training to be a martial artist. I want to be good at everything. I want to be able to control the fight wherever it goes. There are some people who are good at one thing. There are some people who know that they have a right hand and all they have to do is land it and it's over. So like that amount of confidence, just like, okay, just got to land this. Boom. Then you get five, five first round finishes, knockouts, because you know that you have this. I mean, it's not going to work forever, but some people aren't worried. Yeah, you know he's oh he's a jujitsu black belt. We're good. <laughs> you know what I mean, there's a bunch of them that way, man. And that's one of the things I think kind of makes it exciting sometimes is you got guys like Damian Maya, who Damian Maya, Damian Maya is one of my favorite fighters. So by no means am I anything I'm saying meant to be uh, bad, but that dude is world class at jujitsu. Period. Of course. And so he and there was a while there he tried to get really good with striking and all that stuff, and he was like losing the fights. And then he went back to his base. He's like, no, I'm just going to maul guys in jujitsu. And, you know, and he went back to that and he started becoming a monster again. I love watching him fight. And then, again, some uh, more casual fans may not. It's not the most interesting if you're not into jujitsu and stuff like that. But he, that's a guy who's a perfect example of that. He's a specialist. That is what he does. He mm-hmm. just needs to be good enough at striking to get in range. And as soon as he gets his hands on you, that's where it's a problem for you, especially now that he went down to 170. Absolutely. And with how, um, with how MMA has evolved, specialists are rare nowadays. You have to be good at everything. You really do. And it it kind of makes it like a throwback, though, uh, just seeing the specialists and those type of things, because it used to be that way. If you remember UFC 1, like watching it on tapes, you know, I was like seven years old, I think, when it came out. So I didn't watch it live or anything. But, uh, you know, you had Art Jemerson with one boxing glove on and everything. And then you had sumo wrestlers, you know, all the craziness. They were just specialists. And that's exactly why I was created, you know, to show how dominant jujitsu could be. Uh, so Literally. like every once in a while, when you see somebody now who's a specialist, it's kind of throwback and you kind of enjoy it. You know what I mean? You got guys like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the black beast. I forget his real name. <laughs> Derek uh, Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I was going to say that, but I was like, that's a football player. That's not right. I guess he, I guess he is a specialist, isn't he? He ain't taking oh, yeah. anyone down. He's not submitting no. anyone. He's going to take your head off. The first chance he gets is going to take your head off. You know what I mean? And that's what he, he does. He does it very well. Yeah. Uh, and man, what he did to uh, Alistair Overeem's lips disgusting just exploded that was disgusting i think that might have been someone else did uh, alistair over him jarzinho rosenstrike was it him because i well, know yeah. he beat uh, over him too but i thought it was uh derek that did it when he because it was like the last minute of the fight or something like that and he just i thought it was him that exploded his face but who knows alistair over fought for so long now he's had some bad injuries here I feel and like there, he's and fought everybody straight. i feel like he's fought everybody he's insane he's alistair over has been fighting Oh man, I don't know. Like almost twenty some years, I think. Uh, I might be exaggerating slightly, but it's been a long, long time. Man. A lot of brain damage. Because when he gets knocked out, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. And and <laughs> he's from so he's from the Dutch kickboxing gyms too, where they they spar hard. They really get after it. So yeah, man. He's he's had some hard uh, hard fought wars in the gym that we haven't even seen. So let alone what we have seen, you know. And and on top of all of his uh, kickboxing fights too, he's been yep. he's been hit there a lot as well. So let me, let me ask you a question uh, that I, I like to try to talk to all the different fighters that I know about this and stuff. And uh, how scared do you get like the week of the fight or the before the fight? Or when, when do you think you're the mo- or do you ever get fear? You know, everything is gravy until I'm in that locker room. It's the scariest thing in the world. That weight. Oh, that weight. The ing- I, I don't know what anxiety feels like, but I imagine it's that. It's a constant up and down of of emotion and i think eventually the more that i fight the more that i'll accept it and the more that i can kind of control it but six fights in it's the same emotion every time 
it's up and down like oh I'm gonna fuck this guy up blah, 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 blah. and then it's like man but i you know i have, I have all those people i try not to think about the people out there watching me but i'm like man because this it's you at your most vulnerable and literally anything can happen. Like you see people, all right, you're up. And then you'll see people like walk back into the walk locker room. They're like all fucked up in the face, you know, like, or like you can tell who won and lost when they get back in the locker room. But for me, it's like inside, I'm just thinking like, man, I can choose to do anything else in the world. I can succeed at whatever I choose to do. Why do I choose this? Why am I picking this? And it's funny. Cause I was just talking to my buddy, Alon about it. He gets the same exact thing and he's in the UFC. So I'm like, okay. So it's never going to go away. It seems like it's never going to go away. But like I'll have all those negative, not even negative, just like second guessing myself thoughts. And but on the outside, you'll see me warming up and I'm warmed up and I'm walking, I'm pacing back and forth. I'm like, what's up, bitch? Let's go. Like I'm just out loud. Like I'm just saying the most alpha shit. I'm just like, come on, let's go, pussy. Let's go. You want some of this? I'm going to fuck you up. Like I'm literally just saying all of that like raunchy, raw, like, and that's for me. I don't care if people are listening. It's for me. I need that. I'm about to fuck you up, bro. Come on, pussy. Well, I'm just saying that out loud. So people are probably looking at me like I'm crazy, but I need that. I need that. I need that assurance in my head, at least for me. I don't know what my next one's going to feel like. I could just be completely cold, you know, no emotion, which is what I would prefer. Just, Mikey, you're up. And just go out there, you know, like a Rory McDonald or a, a Gegard Musasi. Just come back. Yeah, I TKO'd him. I can't imagine there's going to be a day it's going to come I, I refuse to believe it's not true uh, not believe this is true but Roy McDonald's definitely a serial killer right like that dude oh, is sure. terrifying sure. what he wears he's like he's wearing the suits like you're talking about he goes out there and he's just like super calm and I'm like dude you've got to have been killing people this whole time how was your fight with Robbie Lawler you guys went to war it was the best night of my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what he said, bro. Fucking uh, nutcase. No, those, those fights with him and Robbie Lawler there were amazing. Those were awesome. Because he did, I think they fought twice, right? Yeah, pre-USADA. Yeah, tough, man. Yeah. Lawler yeah, is very yeah. mortal now. Yeah. I, I won't make any comments about that, but I, I, I know what you're saying. There's a lot of people who seem to kind of change, uh, you know, how mm-hmm. they were fighting before and after that. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, could be coincidence. That's the thing about fighting. You never truly know because some guys can just lose it overnight. You know what I mean? But, but, here, but here's the thing. If someone gets popped for something, and mm-hmm. I'm not dropping names. That, yeah. that really matters. But if, if, if a, I mean, Anderson Silva, TJ Dillashaw, it doesn't really matter. But, like, if I see a fighter get popped, I don't trust the rest of their career. You can't. Like, but I, they get popped. For one and, thing, like even if you do it for one fight camp or for one fighter or for one opponent, I'm going to get, I'm going to assume you did it for the rest. There's no way to prove me wrong. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where I think a lot of people have said that so many fighters were on it, that it wasn't surprising when people popped. And then at the same time, you got to like, but some dudes just, there's no way Frank, like if Frankie Edgar pops, I'm like, all right, I question the whole freaking thing. You oh, know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? If GSP popped or, you know what I mean? Some, just like a good person popped, I'd be upset. Well, that was the thing, though, man. And again, I'm not saying that I believe this. I'm just saying this is what was being said. But uh, there's a lot of people who thought GSP retired when he did because of that. Because uh, USADA and WADA and everything like that was coming in. Uh, so there's a lot of people who are worried he, about that. He did come back for... Uh... Bisbee, did, I think. Yeah, 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 2017. So that's what in the USADA testing pool. But yeah. can we knows, talk man? about what he came back to that it looked like all he had worked out was his traps? Why the hell were his traps? He was freaking just beefed out, dude. That made no sense. It looked ridiculous. I, he, he didn't even have to do all that. I think 170 him could have beat him. 
or him yeah, not even oh, cutting yeah. weight could have beat Bisming. It was the tailor-made perfect opponent because, I mean, I, I think, yes, I think GSP can beat Whitaker, but if there was a Yoel in his face or an Izzy, it could be a different story. Or Paulo Costa. Yeah, he's not beating Yoel because, again, Yoel was an re- uh, Olympic wrestler as well, right? Or Silver the, medalist. Yeah, yeah. So, no, GSP's blast double is not working on Yoel because, again, he got it to work on a lot of wrestlers at 170, but Yoel is also a freaking monster physically and an Olympic wrestler who weighs more than – it wasn't going to happen. I don't see him if double bl- blast double in uh, Yoel. I remember uh, – absolutely not. If I remember correctly, um, Yoel's only loss was to Kale Sanderson, I think. And that's oh, the you best mean wrestling. wrestler of all time. Yeah, you mean in wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah crazy, man. crazy, crazy. Dude, and he's still going. I don't – yeah, he's like, what is he, like 44 now or something like that? That's insane. It's insane Definitely to me. 40. Yeah. I don't know the exact number. But are you kidding me? I want to be done before 40. Yeah, I've, got, I've got a good – I've got a good maybe 12 years. Three. So I want a good nine year of making as much money as possible. In many businesses, gaining a bunch of influence, starting my own business, pouring back into the community. That's my long-term goal. There's no way I'm doing this at 40. I think that's the best way to look at it, in my opinion. I think a lot of people, though, they're addicted to it. And so you see people who are fighting well. Like, how old was Randy Couture when he finally quit? He was in his 50s, man. That's just nuts. Oh, yeah. 50-something. And then you got Herschel Walker, who I think started fighting close to 50. You know, he started, like, his first fights were, like, 48 or something like that. It's nuts. I don't, I don't understand it, man. But, again, Mike Tyson's coming back now, and he's fighting, and he's uh, 52 or something like that as well. So It's supposed to be, like, an exhibition match or a charity match. When you put exhibition in, I don't take it very seriously. But they look like they're training very hard, both of them. Well, it, but here's the thing. Roy Jones Jr., uh, one of the greatest fighters of all time as far as showmanship and fun oh to my watch God. and everything. But he has gotten knocked out a lot in the later stages of his career. Mike Roy Tyson, Jones. I don't yeah. care if you call him exhibition or not. It's fucking Mike Tyson. When he gets in the ring, he, ha- he's going, he tries to kill people. Like, that's always been his mentality. And I saw him. He just did a – he was just on Joe Rogan the other day, Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Uh, crazy. And he's back. He's not completely there, but you can see the wheels are turning. And he's a scary dude, man. Mike Tyson is 5'10". He's not a, like a giant dude, but he is terrifying. Terrifying to this day. And I quote to the best of my impersonation skills, is there something about it, man? It's orgasmic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all, but <laughs> knocking yeah, somebody out with some orgasmic. I'm like, jeez. Yeah, he said he got an erection from uh, knocking people out. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> I mean, it could be my. I mean, I'm sure that he means everything he's saying, but mm-hmm. just imagine Roy Jones or Roy Jones people listening to that because they are. Yeah, they're probably like, you, you, you hear that, <laughs> you know. But I was leaning a little bit towards Roy Jones just for the fact of um, activity. He yeah. recently fought in 2018. Yeah, Mike Tyson last last fought in 2005, 2004. Mm-hmm. A big difference. So, I mean, I don't know. It's cool that it came together. I'm just interested to see it stylistically because Roy Jones Jr. was a fighter who heavily relied on his timing and his uh, reaction speed. And as he aged, of course, that started going downhill. And Mike Tyson is also known as one of the faster heavyweights. And he's a pressure fighter and everything like that. I'm just, I could very easily see where Mike Tyson uh, hurts Roy Jones Jr. pretty early. And it just doesn't become that much of a fight because Roy Jones Jr. was never, he had the capability of being a technical boxer, but he just never fought that way. And so that could get him in trouble with Mike. But well, no, we'll see. Like you said, ring rust is a real thing, man. 
Ring rust is a real thing, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen there, but you can best believe I'm going to watch for sure. And I don't – boxing, to me, I can't really watch a lot of boxing, but I'm going to watch that. boxing. Yeah, can't yeah. do it, man. After, I, like I said, MMA, I have ADD when it comes to watching, like, sports and stuff like that. And that's mm-hmm. why I like basketball as much as I do, because there's always sure. something going on. You know what I mean? Uh, and boxing at the same time, it's just, it's too tactical. It's too, too mental and stuff. And MMA just seems a lot more interesting because there's so many different facets that could happen. But I've watched a few boxing matches here and there, and I definitely watch highlights from the old fights, you know, like Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. Or not Sonny Liston. Um, take it, Joe Frazier. Uh, but no, I can't, I can't watch too much boxing <laughs> myself. But I get that. I get that. I mean, there's a different, there's different, um, entertainment uh i don't even know where i was gonna go with that <laughs> i think you said enough in those, those four or whatever words yeah, yeah 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 but i mean like have you watched a lot of uh tie fights yeah it's it's different it's a different system they fight different no one's throwing heavy i mean it doesn't seem like they're throwing heavy hooks i feel like they're there's they're point almost point sparring but they're very hard points like low kicks teeps head kicks like i don't know maybe i haven't watched enough Muay Thai knockouts or Muay Thai fights, but um, that's a different too. The music, the ritual, I love all of it. What happens with Thai fights, a lot of traditional Thai fights, especially, it, it's about will, man. Because those leg kicks are, again, like leg kicks are one of the hardest things to explain to somebody who's never been hit with one because they don't look like much. You're like, oh, what is that? That's like, trust me, feeling of a leg kick, especially when you're talking about time and time again, which is raw shin and everything. Oh God. And they just do that. And they just sit there and eat them. And they just, and one of the biggest things in uh, Muay Thai style, especially like professional levels, is you can't get hit without trading something back. So they'll just end up standing there, just kicking each other and waiting for whoever gets hurt first to take that first back step. And it's just uh, nuts. But unless you're talking about somebody like Sanchai, Sanchai is insane. He, I don't get it. He Sanchai, is the Matrix. Dude, I actually got to meet him last year. I got to train. He did a oh, wow. seminar down here last year. That's incredible. Good. Yeah. He's insane. I think and he's I still, might have seen you post something about that. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, dude, wow. I had only been here for like a couple of weeks or something like that. And then I was just happened to be like, I was still trying to find gyms, you know, where I wanted to train. Uh, and so I was looking up, you know, Miami Muay Thai or whatever. And then it was like, Sanchai seminar. I'm like, wait, Sanchai? No, there's no way. And I'm like, yeah. And it was like a hundred bucks or whatever. I was like, yeah, easily. Take the hundred bucks. Let's do this. Easily. Yeah. And then it ended up getting, the location got canceled. So we had to go to Miami Beach. So I had never been to Miami Beach before either. And we went and we were at, uh, across the street from like all of these famous like restaurants who would like do drag shows and stuff like that. And so people are like taking pictures of us training uh, from across the street because they're all here on like spring break or whatever it was. Or, no, it was summer. So, but anyways, uh, and then we train in the grass. So my feet are like, I'm stepping on freaking, uh, I don't know, those little things that fall out of the tree, like the crab apples or whatever. And yeah. like slipping and trying not to fall. And then it's just weird, super weird experience. But yeah, definitely uh, was amazing. Definitely worth it. Yeah. yeah San Chai. He's a super nice dude too. And like, he actually was walking around and like talking to people and everything like that. He wasn't just being like, you know, you've done seminars before some people, depending on how famous they are or what their attitude is or whatever, they don't really walk around and help out. They just kind of stay center and just tell everybody what to do. And they have helpers going around, but nah, man, it was, it was crazy. And then he sparred with people. He sparred with like a lot of the, the random people there and everything like that. Dope. Dude's insane. Jeez. That's, that's one of my to-do lists in Muay Thai as well as John Wayne Parr. Yeah, man. Two of my favorites. That dude's insane as well. I, I would love to uh, not spar with, forget sparring with him, but I'd love to train with uh, Buaka for sure. He, Buaka, yeah. My brother loves him. Dude, he's he, he was my first Thai. He was the first guy who got me into Thai fighting, like uh, Muay really? Thai and everything. I, I, Buaka is insane. And his training videos are insane. That dude's a monster. 
Jeez. I just recently went to a Muay Thai tem- seminar at Kaizen in Tampa. It was uh, Ogjin Topic. That name does uh, not ring a bell to me. No. He's a, I, think he's a, I think he's American. He fights out of New Jersey. But he, he had a fight with Sanchai, and Sanchai uh, really put it on him. <laughs> Dude, but, Sanchai I mean, is one of those other guys. He's one of those guys you were talking about before, too, that it doesn't look like he's hitting hard. He doesn't look like he's moving that fast or whatever. He's just so – his timing is so flawless, and he's so tricky that he's so good at, like, counterpunching and things like that that he doesn't. He does not wind up, like, almost anything that he throws, you know. And then he's not going to do that with cartwheel kicks and just hit that, uh, that little freaking punch where he sucks them in and they throw a technique or whatever, and he just – Wow. Uh, and yeah, he's incredible. Speaking of, speaking of, one of my teammates, one of my newest teammates, his name's Anvar the Uzbek. He's a glory kickboxer, has hundreds of Muay Thai fights as well. Um, he just got his first stripe on his white belt in jiu-jitsu. So he's, he's training for his first MMA fight, and he taught Muay Thai class tonight. We did a bunch of teeps, a bunch of teeps sparring. That was a pain in the butt. <laughs> kind of hurt. <laughs> I was going with uh, – a professional fighter, one of the newer teammates as well. Um, he's out of Rufus Ford. So he's like a, I think he's like 200, 210, just jacked. I was, I was, rep, I was drilling with him. It's a buddy of mine, JP. And uh, but those kicks started adding up. I, in the moment, I didn't want to let him know that they were hurting. But after practice, I'm like, bro, my shit is fucked up. My abs are like, Ugh. everything was tight. You know, I felt them. I felt the teeps. Teeps aren't nice. No, man. Especially if they start getting the, the where they point in with like kind of the toes and the ball of the foot. And that's really like that jabbing teep. Uh, it's gruesome. But you gotta love it. You gotta love it, man. Especially when it comes to tie. Have you ever done any purposeful uh, body conditioning? Um, probably like once or twice with Alon. That's it. Yeah. Dude. And Alon, man. Alon's another one. Uh, Alon, Billy Q, and Matt Frivola, obviously. Like we yeah. all, like I started back at GTS when I think they might have just started getting their blue belt. All they may still their white belts. All yeah, three of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I know Alon uh, as well. Crazy. Because when, when Alon had that knockout, that uh, the flying knee, and it yeah. went crazy and everything like that, I remember I sent him a, a link. I'm like, dude, even Business Insider is covering this. Like, business, of course, Business Insider has nothing to do with MMA. But they're still no. like, oh, this dude just knocked this guy out on UFC. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, freaking Alon. It's always been that type of fighter, man. He used to suplex the crap out of people all the time, too. That was one of his other big moves, suplexes. See, he's a very good wrestler, and I feel like he doesn't get to show it ever. No, not at all. People don't really, uh, people don't really grapple with him too much in most of his fights that I've seen. Every once in a while, I'll catch a dude, with, and they'll be like, oh, no, I don't want any piece of that. Of course. No, he, he's a good dude, man. I, I, talk, I think I talk to him every day a little bit too much, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, but no, um, he's, got a lot of, he's got a lot of good things going for him. You know, I'm excited for his journey. That's probably my favorite UFC fighter. Yeah. And he's, a, he's a great dude. He's a great dude. My favorite thing about watching him get famous now is when Dana White, I think it was, uh, was saying how, how mean he looks all the time and how mad he looks all the time. And Alon's like, what? It's like, Alon's like the nicest dude. He's not mean at all. Literally. Literally. He's just so calm and so collected, like, all the time. He's just, he's just chilling. Literally. Just, yeah. I'm going to grab lunch with my mom. You know? That's what he said <laughs> on the interview. Ridiculous. Uh, I love it, man. That has got to be one of my favorite things about uh, – MMA and training in martial arts in general is that you really get to see people you know do some great things, but also the people that are famous in this world are so accessible. You know what I mean? You, if you like Marcelo Garcia, you can go train at his gym. You know what I mean? If you, if you want, uh, like any of the UFC fighters, for the most part, a lot of them teach classes at the gyms they train at and everything. So you can just go and hook up with them at any point in time. And that's not true of almost any other sport. I can't go shoot hoops with LeBron right now. 
I mean, I definitely would love True. to, but it's just True. not possible, you know. Although he is like two miles from you right now. Literally, like, uh, oh, maybe a little bit farther. I'm in Claremont, yeah. Mineola, which is kind of BFE. Gotcha. But he's downtown. He's going to be somewhere downtown. No, they're not allowed. Uh, they're at, uh, it's somewhere in the Disney resort area, or whatever, because they're not allowed Disney to leave Springs? that area. Disney Springs? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Because that's where all the games and everything's played at. They're not allowed to leave. They have a bubble and they can't, everybody in is controlled. And if you leave, then you get quarantined. So, yeah. I mean, that's got to be weird on their mental as well. You know, you're playing NBA playoffs, which is already a different mentality. Yep. And then you can't contact or leave your hotel room, really. Yep. I'd be eating good, though. I would be getting Uber Eats every single, like, all the time. Or you could gourmet everything. Dude, I'll never, it's never going to stop being hilarious to me that Lou Williams from the Clippers left the bubble to go to a strip club for wings. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sure you like the wings, man, but come on. You don't have to go in person to a strip club for the wings. Somebody would have got him for you. you I, wonder, I, wonder how, I wonder how long he's quarantined for. Hopefully enough for the Clippers-Lakers series because that's what we're all waiting for. <laughs> no, no, this was, this, was, uh, this was pre-playoffs. This Beginning. was the, when they were getting like those seeding games, I think. So he's back, but he missed like I think three games or something like that for that. Which is freaking I, hilarious. The, the, the playoffs are going very well. I mean, I wasn't worried when the Rockets beat or when the Blazers and the Rockets beat the Lakers the first game because you see what's happening now. You know, LA's in control. But you were a longtime LeBron fan as well, right? I grew up a Steve Nash fan. Um, I remember in fifth grade, I saw a random LeBron James jersey. I'm like, who is that? Then I started watching basketball shortly, you know, a few years later. I got to witness uh, LeBron. 48 point game against the Pistons and to take a really trash team to the finals yeah. to fold to the dynasty Spurs and people hold his finals records against him. Oh. Makes no sense. Don't, don't even get me started on that, man. What, 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 what about the, the, the war, the Warriors franchise dynasty, which might be one of the best of all time as well. They added freaking KD to beat yeah. LeBron. That's the only reason they added him. Yeah. They didn't need him. And they were that makes me so mad. And nine without him. 73 and nine without KD. Yeah. It makes me so mad how that whole thing went down too because not even from a LeBron legacy perspective, but just from a basketball fan perspective. You had the first great rivalry that was going to happen in like the longest of time where uh, Golden State won the first one and Cleveland won the second one and they were going to get to run it back again almost certainly. And then they just added KD and it just made the whole thing kind of pointless. Like you're Unfair. hoping that maybe they can kind of overcome it and do it. Like there's no way. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't, I don't know what could have been done differently. I mean, I wouldn't say that LeBron had a super team in Kevin Love and Kyrie. I'd say Kyrie was more of a superstar than Kevin Love, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, when it came to the big moments, a lot of those guys didn't show up. Same yeah. thing with the Heat, you know. Wade and Bosh at times didn't show up as well. See, I'm from Ohio, so I, I'm six months younger than LeBron. So, like, when he was nice. growing up and everything, like, he was in the paper all the time and everything up there and stuff. So, I followed, like, his whole career – uh, and, and the thing that I love about Ohio sports is they rarely win. So when they do, it's freaking like spectacular. They it's do. magnificent. It's all like, and so that's exactly what happened with uh, the, when the Cavs won. Because you had LeBron's block, and as they call it in Ohio, the block. And then you have Kyrie shot, the shot. And then you have Kevin Love playing defense on uh, Steph Curry at the top of the key. And mm. that's uh, the stop. And so it was just a, those perfect moments where all of them in the, the, the exact moment they needed to actually contributed. And then they never did it again. Mm. Then it never made <laughs> everything after that and it went downhill. So. Well, I, I think Kyrie leaving in 2018, LeBron once again brought a very trash team to the finals. Yep. Like, I mean, what did they have? They had Kevin, Kevin Love, George Hill. 
like I think that year alone, he had so many different players alternate in and out. He had yeah. D Rose and Dwayne Wade, but like just washed up versions of both at the time. Mm-hmm. Just so many people cycle in and he was just still doing his thing. Yeah. And that's the thing I think that is the greatest asset uh, or excuse me, skill LeBron has is the ability to get the most out of so many different styles of teams and so many different players and just still bring them to the precipice of victory and just not get it across, you know, because that yeah. even that year, man, when they had KD and LeBron's second best player was Kevin Love, I guess, but Kevin Love wasn't playing great either. He had 51 points and almost they should have won that game. They should have won game one. It was just uh, JR. Yeah, yeah, the JR game. <laughs> so uh, it's just nuts to me, man, how, how good he is and how good he is capable of being and just some of the things that have happened in his career, you know. But uh, I'm I definitely just, excited I, watching what's going on now, too, just like you, like I said, uh, like you said, the Lakers being back in control. And uh, I do think they got a great shot at winning the championship this year, especially since uh, the Bucks are gone now, too, because I, I don't think any of the other teams that are left in uh, the East can give – any of the teams from the West really too many problems. The Heat, I, I mean, we we I had been on a podcast for literally just NBA, and this is mm-hmm. pre-bubble talk, and I'm surprised we haven't had another one. Yeah. But um, we were talking about all the possibilities, who's going to make the playoffs, predictions, this and that, and he, the Heat were slept on, um, I guess from the media, but not by me. We put attention to it very quick. They have Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrow, Bam Adebayo, um, Jimmy Butler, you can't forget about Jimmy Butler. And then they have Andre Iguodala and a bunch of different role players as well. Like they have a pretty good team. And I didn't think that they'd do that to the Bucks, but I mean, I thought that there was a possibility they could beat them in six or seven, not in five. That blew my mind. They really almost beat them in four. I thought they were going to get it done, but Chris Middleton just went nuclear and you're like, you got to tip your hat to it, man. Chris Middleton didn't want to go home that early. Yeah. And he had a really good performance, but, I don't think, and, and I think who said this? Someone called Giannis a Pippen. And oh, yeah, Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson said that. Ouch. And they still haven't handed out the MVP. And nothing against Giannis. He could win it back-to-back. But what about LeBron averaging a triple-double all year? Well, close. He didn't get the, the rebounds, but oh. close. So, but, again, he could have if he wanted to, but it wasn't really about that. And he tries. The one thing that I've always appreciated – excuse me, appreciated about LeBron and which a lot of sportscasters and people who uh, don't like him, they take against him is he tries to play things in the right way and it plays him strategically. That's why he loses almost, he loses so many game ones of series, like so often because he tries to play it the right way. And if the team isn't ready for it, he's like, all right, I need to adjust this, do this or whatever. He gives away game one so often. And then after that, he figures out what he needs to do. And again, yes, he may lose another one here and there and stuff like that, but it's just the way that I've always watched him play. He's not going to take over a game in game one, nine times out of 10, because he wants to see what they need to do. And, as he's, a team. and, he's, and he's studying too. Yep. He wants to see all their plays. He wants to read their plays. He wants to see how they react to their plays, vice versa. But I've also seen LeBron just 4-0 sweep a series. And and usually if you go back and you look at that, that's one of two things. Either A, he's just on a hot streak and he's trying to make a statement, or B, that's because the rest of his team came along. If his team comes along, he'll win game ones all the time. But they just – a lot of times the other people aren't ready. And I think that's why I'm hoping that uh, the Clippers beat the Nuggets and the Lakers beat the Rockets around the same time. Because with LeBron teams, if they sit, they get rusty and it's bad for them. That's what happened again with the Rockets. Uh, not just that LeBron, like I said LeBron was still trying to play the right way, but they do better the more they play. And we, even you saw even when they came to the bubble. When they came to the bubble, they were playing like trash. 
they were not playing well at all because they'd had those six, seven months off. They need to be mm-hmm. rhythm. They need to be in rhythm. They're very much a rhythm team. And uh, I, I, like, like I'm a diehard LeBron fan, and it takes nothing away from MJ. I just want to appreciate both of them from different eras and just leave the GOAT talk out of it. I don't think that championships should describe a player for their greatness because Bill Russell would be the GOAT. Um, but just for LeBron, what he does – and what, he could literally guard one through five, and there's not many players that can do that. He can play any position. He knows every position better than some of the players. You know, he's just so versatile. And, like, it's a team sport, and there's a lot of times he's had a team that didn't show up or a lot of times he didn't have a team. So uh, I, would, I, I can't imagine LeBron on the 90s, on the 90s Bulls. I, I imagine it would be a lot of the same results. That's just all I'm thinking of. I think even going just one step beyond that, to me, what's always stuck out to me about the Bulls uh, is that Jordan was the perfect piece for that team. Of course. And there's really not a lot of times where LeBron has had a legendary GM, a legendary coach, legendary, uh, you know, sidekicks that actually fit <laughs> yeah. his style. You know what I mean? It's just not ex- what he's had. And so when people look at that and they compare and they're like, oh, LeBron went to Miami, LeBron did this. I'm like, that's because he was drafted by the Cavs who had Dan Gilbert as an owner. Like, they weren't making legendary moves. They were taking – he was taking Anderson Verejao and uh, Big Z and Jonas Ogalskis and everybody to the freaking finals. Like, what are you talking about? Where was Ruby his pivot? Gibson, Larry oh, Hughes. Uh, Mo Williams. Uh, man, all the, all the guys freaking – I was, was the ridiculous. best player on the team, Mo Williams. Yeah. That, that, that's, a, that's how bad it was. As a Cavs fan, I was excited when they got Mo Williams. You know, and let me be clear, I'm still a Cavs fan because I'm from Ohio, so I'm always going to rep the Cavs. Uh, it's just convenient that LeBron went there and now, but I am also a big LeBron fan as well. But I just think it's, like I said, it's insane to me that people look at how the Bulls are constructed and then act like Jordan was the only one who did it. Like Dennis Rodman wasn't there. Like Scottie Pippen Here's wasn't there. the thing. My opinion, no Pippen, no rings. Oh, absolutely. No Pippen, he didn't get out of the first round. It's, <laughs> you know I mean? it's statistically true. Statistically <laughs> true. So. But I still but think like, I, here's the thing. I think Michael Jordan's the best scorer of all time, better than KD. I mean, absolutely. even though KD can shoot the three better and is a little bit longer, but I just feel like that mid range, bread and butter. Well, I think that's one and of the things. Explosive. I think that's one of the things a lot of the of the older sportcasters say and stuff like that that I do give them credit for. If Jordan was playing in an era where the three was valued like it is now, he would have just learned to do the three. It wasn't like that True. extra few feet back was going to stop him from being able to do it. And I think he still shot 30-something percent over his career anyway, so yeah. it wasn't like it, he was terrible or anything. But uh, but I don't know, man. Like I said, when it comes to basketball especially, and fighting even, fighting is another great one, uh, where you're talking about eras and just comparing people across eras. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to MMA, when it comes to fighting eras, there's big, big leaps and gaps, which is yeah. what every sport should have. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like uh, Joe Montana is 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 either going to be as good as Tom Brady or less. Yeah. Which I still, I mean, I'm a new Tom Brady fan. I'm very <laughs> yeah, excited for the season. Now? Yeah. I hated his guts until he started wearing red. To be honest, yeah, I didn't yeah. hate him, but like, I appreciated his greatness. But he was a pain in my ass mm-hmm. through all of my fanhood. I was a big Paint Manning fan, and he would always, almost always, beat the Colts. It was either them or the Steelers. I think everybody has a player like that who, because they were so good against their team, that they have that hatred for him. Like mine uh, growing up was Kobe Bryant because I was an AI fan. You know, I loved Allen Iverson. Oh, wow. And so when one of the first times I watched, uh, you know, really watched the, the playoffs and the finals was when uh, Allen Iverson took the Sixers 
all the way, and the Lakers were just steamrolling everybody. And so I Kobe could, in good conscience, be an AI fan and a Kobe fan, so I had to hate Kobe, and it just kind of stuck. You know? That's how it was for me. I was a big Steve Nash fan, and I loved Timmy D. I actually yeah. never had disdain for him, but it was Manu Ginobili in the most critical <laughs> moments <laughs> yeah. would put the dagger into the Suns. And the Suns had an incredible offense, pick and roll, mm-hmm. you know, open the floor, set up the three. And the D'Antoni offense was fun to watch. And they had some really good years, some 60 win years, 55, 50 win years, you know, like they were really, I was really hopeful going in the playoffs. A lot of those times, it was always the Lakers and the Spurs to kick them out. And Steve Nash has never touched gold, never gotten to be a championship. So are you excited for Steve Nash in Brooklyn? I was just about to bring that up. That's weird. Yeah. It's very weird. I don't know how qualified he is, but I'm going to be a Brooklyn fan. I support Steve Nash, but I don't support Kyrie and KD. <laughs> That's a weird mix. And from what I'm told is that they're both – I mean, they're not in the playoffs anymore, are they? No, no, Brooklyn didn't. Oh, no, because Brooklyn made the playoffs, but they uh, they lost to the Bucks. I think the Bucks swept them or something. I don't know. I, I, I forget. I, I just thought that the, the Nets – I thought that Kyrie and KD could have played. I don't think anything was stopping them, right? Uh, for the most part, but I, I think realistically, if you're, if you're KD, especially, you're like, why take that L on your record when you know you're not going to really be competitive? You know, just chill out, enjoy your little off time. And especially because I think the season's going to start again in December or something like that. So it's not going to be a lot of downtime. They're going to be it's practicing exciting. before no time. Well, here's the thing. KD already took an L by going to be an asterisk. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I definitely think that there is a, a great argument to be made there, but I will be, I will say that's why he's in Brooklyn. Now he's trying to make it himself now, but he's got Kyrie. I mean, then again, I just, I think that both of them are, are ball dominant a little bit more for Kyrie. And I mean, I, I feel like they can, and with their center as well, their center is very good. I feel like they can make some noise. Levert is really good as well, mm-hmm. but. And they still got know. Dimwitty too, I think, or, one of their guys, Levert might be need to be re-signed. I think well, they might lose one of those guys. And then Allen's good. Yeah. Good. The so they, have a, they have a decent team. Um, I just don't see myself rooting for them over LeBron. Who knows? Maybe if LeBron retires this year, I'll root for them just because of Nash. I don't no, know. LeBron's not retiring, man. I, I, I hope he can do it. I hope this comes to fruition. I don't know how realistic it is, but he said he wants to play with his son. He wants his son to make the league and then be able to play together. So that's another, I think – three or four years because i think Bronny's around 15 now or something like that i will, I will root for Bronny when he's in the, in the pros yeah if if he makes it man you know I, I hate to put that on a kid you know what i mean but he looks good he looks like he can hoop and he, i'm sorry if that's your dad then if you don't listen to what i mean he's literally laying the blueprint out he's blueprint yeah. out you have the genes you know mm-hmm. i don't know who knows but i would just like to think that lebron can go to another four or five straight finals Fingers crossed, because this is just all speculation at this point, but maybe the, I mean, I don't know what the Lakers, if, if they win or not, but maybe the Lakers pick up CP or maybe they pick up Dame. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I think as LeBron continues to age, he's going to be more and more of a point guard and his scoring might come down uh, some more. And I think that's what they need is somebody to help with his scoring load, but allow him to be even more of a point than he is right now. So I, cause that's the best way for his, his, uh, his, so maybe another age. shooter, maybe another shooter, or uh, maybe maybe a small forward. I mean, I think yeah. Kuzma's stepping up. Kuzma's stepping up. He's got a lot of great role players around him. Mm-hmm. It sucks that what well, Avery Bradley's still out, right? Well, Avery Bradley didn't go to the bubble because his son has a, I think, a, a respiratory issue, and if he got COVID, it could basically kill his son. So he's like, I'm not going to risk it. 
Damn, that's a big piece too. Yeah, yeah, he was he was huge for the team. But, you know, I didn't realize but, how good he was at defense until he was gone. Yeah, yeah, man. Avery Bradley was uh, he was a uh, was he on the yeah the the Celtics back when LeBron was still in the East and everything like that. Yeah, he was a terror, man. He was a great three and D guy. Jeez. Well, I'm excited yeah. to see how the rest of the season plays out. Lakers. Both of us are in the Lakers right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I, I it, it looks like we're going to get what everybody's been waiting for this whole time, just in a weird circumstance, obviously, with a bubble. But you're going to get Lakers versus Clippers, it looks like. And I'm, I'm fingers crossed that's what happens because if they got there without going through the Clippers, I, don't th- I think a lot of people would talk crap about it. And I think it's going to be the best way to do it. Got to take them out, man. And I'm very interested to see how that whole thing plays out. And uh, I don't know who's going to come out of the East either. Like you said, Miami's very interesting. But Boston, man, Boston. and They're playing Jason very Tatum. well. Yeah, Jason Tatum well. is going to be a monster for years to come. I wrote them off against the Raptors because the Raptors are a very, very solid team. Yeah. And I think Kawhi was the one to get them over the hump. But even this year, they still have a very good record. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they have, they have a lot of good things. I think they just tied the series as well. Two two. Oh, so did the Raptors they, win tonight? I think so. I'm not oh wait, no, sure so no, no, wait. So hold on. Let me let me go back. I was looking before. I think it was three two, and Boston could potentially close it out. But I mean, I'll look. Oh, after they're up. This, they're but, up three two. They're up three two. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but I, I, last I looked, the Raptors were up in the score when they because they're playing right now, or they just finished or whatever. So. And then the Nuggets and the Clippers are they playing tonight. Yeah, yeah, they're playing right now. Oh snap! Well, oh. the Nuggets are playing really well. Murray is actually really good. I didn't, man, know, he I didn't went, know that. He went off in that freaking uh, the jazz series. series against Jazz, man. That's nuts. So uh, it was like 40, 40, 50 points, something like that? Yeah. Back-to-back games? Yeah, he had like 40 in two games and 50-something in one of them, I think, as well. And Yeah, man, that was nuts. Him and Donovan Mitchell just were dueling it out. They were going at and, each other. And Dame. Dame was going crazy, too. Yeah. The Dame always but. goes crazy, though. Dame is just – again, Dame is one of those guys who's going to, I think, let his loyalty mess up his legacy. Because he's going to try to stay there in Portland, and Portland doesn't necessarily bring the best people there because they, they're just not an attractive market necessarily. Uh, and they're still trying to the Dame and CJ experiment and with all these other pieces around him and stuff like that. So, And he just doesn't ever want to go anywhere. And, and I think that's, that's one way to do your career, man. It can work for I, you or it can make you Charles Barkley. I feel, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Very good point. Even though a lot Charles of Barkley switched teams, but still. <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah, but man, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of curious to see where Giannis goes. There's a lot of rumors of him going to the Warriors. The the rumor that I heard that I would love hate is actually Miami. They were saying with him and Jimmy Butler and that team, man, and Pat Riley. Oh my, they'd be monsters. They would be absolute monsters. That's unfair. The the Bucks would they would immediately take the Bucks spot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Miami with Giannis would be. I, I don't know how you beat that team because you've got shooters now. You've got uh, you got a guy like Jimmy Butler who can teach Giannis to really like get that mentality. You got Pat Riley who's legendary. Like, oh man, that'd be that'd be nightmarish. I mean, then again, even Giannis with Draymond, Clay, and Steph, and and they have uh, they have Andrew Wiggins, which they can trade mm-hmm. and get another superstar or use him, which I think Wiggins is solid. Mm-hmm. And they also have a high draft pick. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like. I feel like with almost any superstar who goes to the Golden State, it's a pretty much a done deal. So, and I don't think Giannis has that in him. I think Giannis is very aware of how that would look. And I honestly, I think he's going to stay with the Bucks. He seems like that kind of guy. He seems like he's the kind of guy who's going to stay with the Bucks 
for uh, for a long time, and it, it may take one more uh, contract before he realizes, no, nah, this isn't going to work out. Or maybe he puts pressure on him this year. I, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people have the, I don't want to say courage necessarily, but the mentality to do what LeBron did and put pressure on the owners to actually give you a team or take off. You know what I mean? It's not where you uh, – Giannis has already said he's a very loyal guy. It could be his downfall too. I mean, the Bucks are good every year, at least the last two, three years in a row. But just haven't got it done, obviously. Yeah. And they should have beaten the, the Raptors. They were up two zip last year. But the Raptors did the same thing that Miami did this year. Yeah, and well, then and then Giannis got hurt, of course. But Giannis is in the playoffs. His game doesn't translate that well because you can game plan for him. You can just try to stop him. And Bucks don't have anybody else who's going to beat you. I mean, there's Middleton, but he wasn't. He's not as much of a go-to. He's he's their number two, and number three would probably be George Hill, right? Uh, Eric Bledsoe, maybe, depending Bledsoe. on the game. Sure, yeah. true, 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 true. But one of the things that they I've heard a rumor going around, again, these are all rumors. None of this means anything yet, but it, I'd like to see it because it make them interesting too, is CP3 to the Bucks. That's big. Wow. Yeah. That would fix a lot of their problems because he can score in late game moments and you can't just double down on Giannis now because you've got a good ball handler who can still get Giannis the ball. And and if they can keep Chris Middleton while doing that, yeah, that's that'd be really good because CP3 is not staying in OKC. Because OKC is like, we're not going to get over the top with you here. You're going to make us really good and maybe teach us. But you cost, oh, what does he get, like $30 million a year or something like that? Yeah, so he's got to be on the move, I think. He just came from the Rockets, right? Yep. Yeah. They traded him for Russ. Yep. Oh, man. And I thought uh, – I was so hoping they are going to beat the Rockets just for that, that underdog and that CP3 FU story, but just couldn't get over mm-hmm. the top. I mean, yeah, that's Harden. And Harden stepping up on D a lot lately, I've noticed. Yeah, man. I agree. Well, Harden will always be – well, not always be, but he's definitely one of the top five in the league right now. He he's is, but unfair. he's another one of those guys who doesn't have the that playoff time. resume. Mm-mm. And I, he, I think he would have had a better shot with CP3 as opposed to Russ. I have nothing against Russ. I think he's an athletic freak. I think he's a good player. But he just doesn't make very smart decisions, in my opinion. But I, I think that goes back to what we kind of talked about in the beginning of the call as well. Is uh, It's just relationship. CP3 and James Harden did not get along. James Harden did not seem to like CP3 at all. And he likes Crazy. Russ. Him and Russ are really good friends. So the relationship makes it work better, I guess. But I'm with you. Style-wise, they're not the best fit. But I don't think they have the juice to beat the, the Lakers. We'll see. Yeah, like I said, man, you never know in basketball. Basketball is one of those sports where you see terrible teams just run off 30-point uh, wins over, like, the number one team in the league. You know what yeah. I mean? So you, anything can happen, but I agree. I think the Lakers got uh, got this in the bag, but we'll see what happens. Mm. So, but, so tell me, man, uh, you know, switching subjects, but just tell me how has your year been this year, though? Not take You don't have to talk about <laughs> anything specific, but just how's the year been for you at overall? I'm blessed, man. I woke up this morning, but not, I guess, as I planned. I feel like, you know, as the months went on, just more things popped up. You know, obviously everyone's going through the same thing for the most part. Um, But it's been, I mean, it's been good, man. In hindsight, everything happened the way it should be. So I just like where I'm at now and where I think I'm going, where I, the momentum wise, where I think I'm going. Um, The people in my life are perfect right now. I feel like I'm in a good position. I'm in a good place mentally. It's only going to get better. And um, it got really dark, man. You know, COVID wasn't the easiest. There was, there's only two different ways to experience COVID, in my opinion. You can either 
sulk and take it for what it is and and or you can just continue a path of like improving yourself and i chose the easy the path of least resistance i was eating a ton of shit food playing a ton of video games and i don't i wouldn't necessarily call video games a bad thing but when it's the only thing you're doing i think that it can be kind of detrimental towards your mental and i don't know it just it just things weren't really adding up during covid because i guess that's the story of this year i feel like the first two two and a half months because i think it started for me like march 12 um was when everything kind of hit in terms of covid i got I had to go home and more work with this and that but i mean i had good momentum going into covid i had a muay thai fight my first one lined up got canceled because of this um i think i just kind of lost all motivation after that and yeah i'm just i'm just happy to see where i'm at now and where i'm going like i said so not what i planned but that's life you got to be able to adjust and adapt and um what i'm doing i'm like exercising that adapt muscle really hard right now yeah man i I think you hit it on the head you got to be able to adapt especially in today's world because while COVID is going on there's going to be an other side of it and that other side of it is unknown as well so that's going to require another uh adaption if you will so i I think you just keep that muscle going and everything it definitely let me know when that tie fights get scheduled man i definitely Mm. want to check that out for sure uh because I hope you get a real tie fight. And I mean, like the music, the music and everything. You got to get the whole experience. You know what I mean? Cause that's, that's really a, a different world. Cause you don't hear it in the, you, you won't realize this, but you don't hear it in the ring. You absolutely it just zones out and you don't hear it. And then you go back and like watch the video of your fight. And all of a sudden you hear it. And you're like, what the hell is that going on the whole time? I don't remember any of that. Jeez. I would love that. I, um, I definitely need to start work. I'm, I'm working on my sweeps a little bit. But um, I need to I need to add a few more sweeps to my arsenal. A lot of uh, strangely, a lot of the Thai uh, organizations at the amateur level, especially at least the ones that I I fought in and the ones that I've seen other people fight in, they don't let you do sweeps. They even though that's a huge part of Thai fighting and it's one of my favorite parts. I love watching like guys like Buakon, everybody just do the sweeps and everything. Uh, they don't let you do it, and it really frustrates me because I love Thai sweeps as well. Sweeps are amazing. They're so much fun. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited, man. I mean, I don't know what my next bout looks like. I don't know when it is. I just know that I need to get in shape. And then my coach said, we'll figure it out from there. He said, we'll work. I just want, he's like, I want you physically. I just want you in really good shape because then I'll know that your mental's there. I know that you're mentally ready to fight and then we'll get you something going. So right now it's just, I'm down 25 pounds. I was down or like 2025, you know, it's fluctuating, but the highest I hit was 25 pounds down. I was 213 August 1st. So this morning, 189. So it's coming off and I'm trying to keep it off. So I'm just excited to see what another 25 pounds looks like. What do you normally fight at? 55. And you walk around like 70-ish? 70-ish, yeah. Fight week, I'm usually like 10, 13 pounds off. But here's the thing. I know the little things that are missing from my weight cut. I know that I can make 45. I just need to get to a, clo- a lower walk around rate. I need to get my body fat down. I need to be more disciplined with my diet. And then I, I'm going to walk 45. Easy. Well, Amen. not walk 45. I'll, I will get hit the scale at 45. Yeah, and then don't I walk feel around like, at 45. You'll pass out. <laughs> no, man. But I feel like that'd be a good division for me. When I turn professional, that's where I need to be for sure. Fighting at 45, you think? How tall are you? What are you like? You're like 5'9"-ish, right? Five ten, five nine. Ten, yeah, yeah. My license says six foot, but <laughs> of course, of course, I had them rounded up. 
Yeah. That way you could never get caught for a crime. You're like, 5'10", I'm six foot. Yeah, license. <laughs> clearly, clearly. She's smart. Uh, that's awesome. No, man, like I said, I, I look forward to it. I love watching guys like you, you know, your career and everything like that, and just uh, good people succeed. So I'm really hopeful that uh, you'll get that tie fight before too long, and I know you'll kill it, man. Like I said, tie, it's just different. I, I'm with your mentality with what you said before. I think even though your MMA is your ultimate goal, it's good to diversify some of your experience on the way up, like doing jiu-jitsu tournaments, doing the tie fight mm. and everything like that. It just sharpens and trains different parts of your mind. And think about it from the perspective of if you're in an MMA fight and you can't get a takedown – basically a tie fight you know what i mean mm -hmm. so you're just exactly. practicing a specific element of it and 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 what really trained my mind to it is uh one of the best in my opinion the best, most skilled fighter of all time and i think his skills in any weight class would dominate everybody but uh, mighty mouse johnson oh, when he was yes. an amateur he did jujitsu tournaments boxing kickboxing and he did mma fights so before he turned professional he had all of that under his belt so he had hit every single aspect of martial arts. And then when it came to MMA, he was already good at everything else. Mm -hmm. And it showed. I mean, the only reason I, I'd like to think that the only reasons he's actually lost was because of size, which was to, to me, which was, I mean, I thought he's beat Suhudo the second time. He doesn't really care about that loss. But when he lost to Dominic Cruz, it was clearly outsized. Oh, yeah. And Dominic Cruz is very good as well. But at that, at that level, size matters, mentality matters. And Dominic had it over him that time. Yeah, and like you said, man, DJ just was never that big of a guy. He when he because uh, I think they created the one twenty five division, and that's where he was uh, just dominant. Um, he was like Frank Yeager back in the day. He's barely cutting weight to get to one twenty five. He walks around like I think at like one thirty or something like that. You know what I mean? So he was severely undersized for the thirty five division, and still did good. But I agree with you, man. I'm glad to see he started finally getting the respect he deserved. Because, dude, that the the suplex to armbar the freaking the knockout of joseph benavidez and like just all the different things he's done man it's, it's insane he's so good in every aspect of it and then his fake shots were my favorite too whenever he would just have his knee touch the ground really quick to make people think he was shooting dude's so smooth he's a freak and again i gotta go I, I gotta go back yeah yeah he's been doing it for the longest time too yeah man i gotta go back and uh study him there's there's periods of time where i'll like make a list of fighters i want to emulate which I think is one of my best characteristics as well. I mean, I know that martial arts is just a culmination of like creating your own style. It's literally your, your own art, mm -hmm. but I like to see everyone else's art too. And then take what I like. That's what Kobe Bryant was really good at. He emulated Michael Jordan very well, mm -hmm. very, very well. So he created his game off of someone else's game and then added his own art to it. And to be completely cliche, since we spent so much time talking about martial arts, that was one of Bruce Lee's main philosophies as well is, you know, learning, all the different things and then keeping what's useful to you directly and then getting rid of the rest. Because you, like you said, you're going, you'll study DJ and then you'll uh, mighty mouse and then you'll pick up a certain piece. And then other pieces will be like, I just can't do that with my body type or with my speed or whatever it is. That just doesn't work for me, but this piece does. And then I could take maybe this from Fedor, this from whoever else, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just take some of the stuff from your local dudes as well. Like you talked about Vince before you're picking up pieces from everybody and you're just putting yourself together and your style together. I think that's really what's fun to watch with uh, MMA because in a lot of sports, like LeBron was dunking when he was like 14 or something like that, and he's still playing somewhat the same way now, right? But with MMA, you watch guys who started and they were a wrestler, and now they're knocking dudes out. DC is a great example of that. You know, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people forget this, but Chuck Liddell was a wrestler as well. But no, mm. he's figured out how to knock people out and use his wrestling and defense and change his whole fighting style. I love watching dudes evolve that way. Of course, and that's what you're going to see the most in 
specifically MMA is that you ha- kind of have to evolve. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes there'll be a, a strike, like a spinning wheel kick or or a calf kick. Like there's always a trend in MMA that people mm-hmm. start to do. You know, yeah, that calf kick, man. Then that started coming def- out. It's hard to defend. I really don't know how to check it yet. Yeah, you, the best way to do it is get out of the way from what I've seen, but it, that's a lot easier said than done, right? Like, if, like, why didn't I think of that? Just move. <laughs> but, all right, man, I'm going to let you go. But like I said, I'm very excited for your future uh, as far as MMA and everything goes and just as a human being and definitely the Twitch and all that stuff's just keep up with a diversified interest, man. I, that's a man after my own heart. I'm the same way. I want to do like a million things all at once. So just keep them up and keep them balanced. But do me a favor. Uh, summarize this conversation tell me what this conversation was for you an exchange of practicality of thoughts um stories uh it's good energy good vibes you know just talks that i don't get to have much um every once in a while with my good friends it's hard to find the time you figure in the time that we don't have you know in the time that we're in now where there's almost literally nothing to do you know i have some of my my, my good friends that I don't have the closest connection with, but I know damn right what they're doing every single day. You know, no, mostly for the most part, a lot of people are out of jobs and um, I felt like more connected to people when everyone was in their routine and in their job. I just feel like it's harder to communicate nowadays and it shouldn't be because we're literally doing nothing every single day. It seems like that's what I was doing. I was gaming for the longest time, months on end. So like your little halo spurt, I had that for call of duty between may and july and it wasn't very healthy to be honest but oh man it was just the summary of this was just a good frequency man we i think i feel like we we met each other and we just kept on going back and forth it was a great time for sure man i love the vibe love talking to you brother we definitely have to stay in touch more so all right man we're gonna go ahead and hop off here thanks again for joining me and i'll catch you next time bud peace thanks for checking out today's episode Make sure that you like and subscribe to see more Starting Nowhere.